Love Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Dresmick Wicked is lonely on the lead. He's up by four on the outside. Don't tell me again. Cutting into the margin, but it's McWicked. Four years later, back at the top of the sport. Homicide Hunter who sweeps past to the outside. Homicide Hunter trotting into the finish. It's Homicide Hunter who will hit the line. 148 and 4. The fastest trotter ever. Dewey did some good down the boulevard of broken dreams. Walker Meister coming at him. Walker Meister on the outside getting the best of him. Walker Meister in front. Giddy up. Three wide, all bets off. They're at the top of the stretch. Rockin' Ron turns first in the Battle of Lake Erie. On the outside, bit of a legend. Rockin' Ron, bit of a legend. On the outside, bit of a legend. This year's battle champion, 23 and 1. Homeward bound in gold cup and soccer, 59. Somewhere, Penty, rockin' in heaven. Rose Run Quest is there. Here is the French connection. The alerts have won it. Fine. Twinkle takes aim in the passing lane. Now Caviard Alley in full gear outside. Sharton start a feeling. Caviard Alley all out. Sharton digging deep. Sharton's going to dig in here and get the win here. Sharton up on the front end. That none shall pass for Tim Dietrich. Giddy up. You're tuned in to the official podcast of the Sport of Harness Racing Post Time with Mike and Mike with co-host Mike Carter. Foiled again! Holds on to win! Foiled again, tough as nails! And Mike Bozich. The Iron Horse has cemented his legacy! Giddy up! It is day number two of the Breeders' Crown Live from Woodbine Mohawk Park. Mike Bozich going to be joined on site here by our on-site crew of Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, and Ashley Maylou. We certainly appreciate you joining us. It was uh, a very, very thrilling race in the first Breeders' Crown event of the day. If you just missed it, it was race number two. The race was taken by Caviar Alley. She upset the great Sharpen just like she did a couple of weeks ago in Lexington back on October 6th. It was uh, 149 and three miles sharp and pretty much rushed to the lead. But Caviar Alley with a game-grinding first over win. And driver Randy McCarthy continues to have a very, very good Breeders' Crown after a couple of nice wins yesterday. And he starts off the Breeders' Crown program with a win here today. Let's check in with our guys, our crew on site, as we're just about ready for race number three. It's the Breeders' Crown final for open mare trotters with a field of 10 to do battle. Let's check in with Garnet Barnsdale and Ashley Maylou. Garnet, let's talk a little bit about, the, first of all, while we have a couple of minutes, Caviar Alley with the big upset of Sharpton here tonight. Yeah, and the trend continues. Michael Vett races here tonight, and two horses have come from off the pace to win. It's been a bit of a steady rain since before the first, so um, 
Yeah, and uh, also I'm live in the pick five, and so is uh, Mr. Carter with the 67th to one shot winning first race. So I need to get Manchego home here badly. Well, I tried to I tried to get in, and uh, you guys wanted to charge me 500 to get in, so that's a little bit of a steep price, or maybe not with this thing, uh, maybe paying. Let's check in with Ashley Maylou. Ashley, you are new to the broadcast crew. Uh, you did some uh, sideline reporting, if you will, for us. Now you're sitting in the big chair, and we certainly appreciate you joining us. How are you? I'm doing great. I have big shoes to fill tonight since Mike Carter can't be here, but excited to be here for my first Breeders' Crown. It's always good to be back at Woodbine Mohawk Park. And in this upcoming race, I mean, this is quite the field, but I think we're all looking for Manchego to pull a, you know, a victory in here. All right, Manchego, three to five on the board. Garnet mentioned that uh, you guys are alive in your pick five ticket. Now, Garnet, you say you need Manchego badly here, so I'm going to assume that means that this is your key in this pick five sequence. Yeah, she's a single. I actually split the ticket with a couple of guys, uh, people, Adriano Torella and Brian Owen. Probably people know, most most people probably know at least one of those two guys. Uh, we got Manchango single, and then we're five deep onto three deep, Mike, and there's only six bucks left out of a $160,000 pool. So we're, we're already ordered Brink's truck just in case. All right. Well, listen, you know, Sharnton had to be one of the horses that was certainly uh, keyed in this pick five. So uh, her, by her losing, uh, that certainly opens the door up for value here. Why did you go to the single here with Manchego? I think she's probably the most logical winner of the night. Um, I, I, I saw some chinks in Sharnton's armor. And, uh, you know, I figured if we get live to the fifth leg, I don't, I'd rather – I always like to have a price horse in the last leg. So, um, to me, I, you have to single somewhere, right? So this is this is kind of where I went, thinking she's the most logical. There's lots of people that like Plunge Blue Chip in this race, too. So, I mean, she may not be a lock either. I mean, we've seen so many upsets already. So uh, I just hope she can get the job done. This, base, uh, this race basically centered around the two uh, big favorites here, Manchego and Plunge Blue Chip. Manchego getting the majority of the play at 1-2, to two, Plunge Blue Chip at 3-1. to one. Ashley, if we're looking uh, for an outsider, maybe a horse that could supply us some value, maybe not so much on the win end, but in the, on the, the tail end of the exactors and trifectas, what do we look for? I'd call me crazy. I went to the outside. I don't like the draw of the 10, but Emoticon Hanover, I mean, she's won this event twice in a row. She's been impressive both times. I mean, this hasn't been her year compared to last year. Last year, she picked up six wins. This year, she only has two from 16. But I think she could sneak in here. She was second in the elimination behind Manchengo. But obviously, the coast position is a bit of a concern. But we saw Ramona Hill overcome that yesterday. So anything can happen. All right, and guys, as they get set to go to the gate, 43 seconds left on the countdown clock. How about the Breeders' Crown that Andy McCarthy is having so far, Garnet? He's got a focus one that charge ice attraction here who uh, drew post position number two, so maybe that'll keep her close in the ball game. But I'll tell you what, it's got to be good living in the, in the blue colors of Andy McCarthy right now. Yeah, actually better last week uh, underneath Manchego for the exactor, and I don't think she was terrible. She followed along on the inside, never really made any move of her own, but, uh, you know, did you really have to in a race where eight horses make the final? I will say one thing. She's been very uh, animated since she came out of the paddock. I was actually standing just outside here, and uh, she kept turning around. looked like she was trying to come back in. A couple of people had to help her out, so she's a little hot and uh, skippy. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe she doesn't stay on stride here. 
All right, countdown clock, Ken. It's been allowed to expire. The horses are coming to the gate. It is post time. I'll have the race calls here for you today. It is the Breeders' Crown final for Open Mare Trotters, going for a purse of $425,750. And once again, all eyes on the two favorites here, especially Manchego. And she has looked so good as of late, perhaps regaining some of that form that we saw from a year and two years ago as a two and three year old. Three to one right now on three plunge blue chip. She is certainly been in hot form as well. Locus Wanstad drives and trains her. The rest are in double digits. 10 to 1 right now on 6, the great handle or Hanover. And 11 to 1 on 5, Darling Miraz. It's post time for the third, the Breeders' Crown Final for Open Mare Trotters from Woodbine Mohawk. There, off and trotting. Good start from the inside from McCarthy and Ice Attraction. Emoticon Hanover, as expected, is winging for Danielle Dubay from the center. Plunge Blue Chip and Manchego are on the early scene, too. And inside is Plunge Blue Chip with a narrow advantage. Emoticon Hanover is parked and pressing second. Manchego moves into a clear three-hole. Good brushing spot for Dexter Dunn if he chooses to do it. Three lengths off the lead. Coming away fourth at the inside comes Ice Attraction as they continue to press on to the opening quarter. Hanover Hanover's parked to the outside of Wesleyan Dancer. They're fifth and sixth, respectively. Outside Custom Camp that moves up seventh, about seven lengths away from Manchego, who did indeed brush to the top. They got past the opening quarter in 26 and 1. So it's Manchego who crosses over on the pocketed plunge blue chip. Emoticon Hanover ended up with the three hole. Hanover Hanover's getting a cold shoulder. She's going to move up the pest of the leader now. Inside, Ice Attraction is shuffled in. Outside, Custom Camp that is hustling to catch up with that cover. Highland Top Hill is third up into the flow as they go beyond the half and 55 and 3. Shovel Dorn's the inside eighth as Wesleyan Dancer. Outside dream together is ninth and darling Niraz has got them all to pass and a little bit less than a half to do it so it's Manchego up by one Hanalor Hanover's been parked the journey but continues to gain inside third plunge blue chip towards the inside fourth comes Emoticon Hanover as they come to the top of the stretch custom Cantab has gotten up with her cover but she's five lengths off the lead they got three quarters as they straighten away in 123 and four and it's Manchego's to win or lose Manchego leads it by two plunge blue chip is out for the drive Emoticon Hanover tries to close up the inside. Hanalor Hanover spent mid-stretch. Manchego is getting away. She's standing her ground. They're inside the eighth pole, and Manchego is long gone. She's up by five widening. Clutch Blue Chips trying to hold second from Emoticon Hanover. It is all. Manchego, she's a Breeders Ground champion. Up for second, Emoticon Hanover finishing third plunge Blue Chip. It was Manchego in a final time of 151. And there you go, Garnet Manchego. She walked the walk, talked the talk. Dexter Dunn put her in perfect brushing position. She was able to brush, and after that, it was lights out. Absolutely, and uh, nice 28 and one third quarter uh, breather, which most people wouldn't think is a breather, but when you can fire home in uh, 27 and one, I guess it is. And yeah, that was that's what we needed. Now we, we're in good shape to maybe cash a monster pick five here, maybe. All right, this is good. Now, don't forget, you had a 65-to-one shot in the very first race with 10 Classic Pro getting it done. Now, I have to ask, first race was an overnight event. It was an island of 25,000 last five, and it kind of looks on paper that Classic Pro is a little bit overmatched. Uh, I mean, what did you guys see in him to uh, include him in the ticket? What I saw in him was I, I used uh, three through 10, excluding only the one and two. So I didn't really <laughs> see much other than... Uh, <laughs> Our strategy was we thought that race could be a big price, um, and it kind of set up that way, and we just kind of got lucky. All right, so congratulations to Manchego. Congratulations to uh, Garnet and team. 
I guess Mike Carter is a part of this pick five as well. So, you know, he's and he usually likes to stick towards favorites, sir. This is a big deal for, for Mike Carter here. He's, we're going to be hearing some hollering. You'll be able to hear him all the way from Ohio. I'll tell you that if that thing comes in right oh, now. Oh, do an interview? That's the message. All right, so we're going to take our first time out of the day. When we come back, uh, we're probably going to have Ace Barnsdale out, imagine, in the winner's circle if he's going to get some winner's circle reactions from the winner of the Open Mare Trot Final in the Breeders' Crown, Manchego. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in just a moment. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raise to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, on Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th. And eighth. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than betamerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at betamerica.com. Post time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. in the winner's circle of the Breeders' Crown Final for the Open Bear Trotters, Manchego. Thanks, Karen. Business, she was the heavy favorite, and she responded like she should have as that heavy favorite, and uh, she uh, completed the mile in 149 and changed. That was a very good mile uh, for Manchego, the four-year-old mare by Muscle Hill of the Cantab Paul Mare's Secret Magic. Trainer Nancy Johansson with her second Breeders' Crown winner so far this season. Dexter Dunn, the winning drive for owners, Black Horse Racing, and Breeders, Brittany Farms. We're going to have Ace Barnsdale in just a moment. He is going to have winner's circle reaction. Let's uh, go back to our guys on site at the big table, Garnet Barnsdale and Ashley Maylou. And uh, once again, Manchego just looked fantastic. Uh, still unofficial. Uh, a couple of the other horses that uh, I thought raced well, Emoticon Hanover was blasting off from post 10. Garnet was able to get a good spot and was able to close pretty well for a second. I thought she raced pretty well. You should be talking to Ashley because she better, and she cashed the exactter, and did you get the try, too? Yeah, I think that's in the try. This horse, you asked me the long shot. I mean, 
this mayor deserves a bunch of respect. You know, like I said earlier, she hasn't had the greatest of seasons. She had a troubled, you know, post today, but she's won it twice. Now she's runner-up. So I'm happy with 27-01 for a second, but it hurts when you have one to two on top. And, guys, uh, Hanalore Hanover, interesting. What a great mare trotter she has been throughout her career. I mean, she's made $3.2 million, certainly headed uh, to the Hall of Fame. But, you know, she got parked a mile here today, and I thought she didn't race too bad considering that she got that cold shoulder, Ashley. No, I, I didn't think so either. And, I, you know, she looked live in this spot. But when she, you know, drew to the outside there, it, it didn't look great for her. But, you know, she did dead heat for fourth with Westland Dancer. All right, let's review the prices. Manchego with 310, 280, 210. Emotica on Hanover with 1660 to place. Good uh, Ashley Mailer Exacto, $55.10. Your dollar try at 92.15. Your uh, Superfecta, as we had a dead heat for fourth between one Wesleyan Dancer and six Hanover with the one four three hundred $330 for a dollar, with the six four two hundred thirty two seventy. 230 270 The pick three returns $841.40. So Garnet for a 20 cent play. The pick three pays $168.28. And I know that a lot of times you could judge a pick four payoff by what the pick three pays, but can we accurately judge what a pick five payoff is going well, to pay based on that pick three? I got a number on my, uh, on my calculator here. I was just trying to figure out what percentage of the pool is left, and it is, uh, it is 19 one-hundredths of a percent left. Two tenths of one percent of the pool is left. Is that right? Am I reading that right? That is your correct man. I think. <laughs> well, so, I, and they will, and they will show uh, how much money is live in the pool, or will they not? They will. There's three hundred nineteen dollars left out of one hundred sixty thousand. Holy moly! Yeah, well, exactly. if, if Garnet leaves the broadcast table, then we know exactly what happened. And, <laughs> and here is the thing: you are spread. You are spread quite a bit. Uh, let's uh, once again let's take a look at who we got in races four and uh, five here, Garnet. Well, in the fourth, I got the one, the Ice Duchess, the three Asagio, who's my top pick. Five one Doves Cry, six Wind of V. A lot of people like this one. Seven Grimmy Hanover, who I'm going to be cheering for loudly at fifteen to one in the morning line, and nine. Only take cash, and in the fifth, I did not. Unlike Mr. Carter, who has his own ticket, single to um, or we you butte, which obviously is a very chance to win. I also used. I hate these programs. Uh, Treacherous rain and tall green Hanover. I think uh, I'd stand a pretty if I can make it to that race live. You know, I know that there are different strategies for pick four and pick five players. Uh, now, if you get to race five alive, which you probably will, does dutching come into play? No, I've never been a hedger. Not, not one of these. Uh, what am I going to hedge on? What am, what am I going to think is going to beat me in this race with um, what looks like the three best fillies? I don't. I don't. Not, not in this case. I mean, I, I'm. I don't usually hedge much, but I might if it was. You know, if I was three deep in a five-horse race in a thoroughbred race or something to make big money, but I don't typically. Um, we just, you know, we just spread tonight because we saw what happened last night. That it's kind of like anything could happen, and and me and, and and my friend Brian Owen discussed it, and we said, well, let's just pick a single and, and go as deep as we think we need to in some of these other races, and we got lucky in the first uh, race, but we haven't cashed anything yet, so um, we'll have to see how it goes here. 
No, we certainly don't want to put the jinx on you, but uh, I'll tell you, you certainly have to be feeling confident headed in the fourth and the fifth race. I mean, you're way deep in the fourth, and you certainly have the three best horses in the fifth. What we haven't talked about so far is because when we got on the air, race three was getting ready to go off. But, Ashley, I'll throw it to you. Let's talk a little bit about the weather conditions. Obviously, rain was in the forecast here today, and it does seem, and I'm back in the studio, but it certainly does seem it's a little wet out there here tonight. Yeah, the rain moved in a little bit sooner than I think we're all and expecting, but it's not, you know, it's not downpours or anything like that. There's a constant mist going both affairs throughout the night. But I will say it is colder than I think we all expected from what I heard yesterday and saw in the forecast. It took a while for the temperature to cool tonight. It's a chiller for sure, and there is breezes off. All right, we're 10 minutes away from race number four here at Woodbine Mohawk. It is the Breeders' Crown Final Four. Three-year-old Philly Trotters going for a price of $655,000. we got a, a good field of 10. Of course, their broadcast location is in the paddock, so every once in a while you're going to hear a loud voice uh, come across the speakers, so uh, you certainly have to be mindful of that. But let's look into this uh, fourth race, Garnet. We've got a field of 10. Uh, we'll start with, uh, well, let's see. It's a wide-open wagering board, 7-5 to five right now. On number six, Winda V. Garnet. She is bet down quite a bit from this 5-1 to one morning line, and obviously uh, a lot of people saw that big close in her, in her uh, elimination. Yeah, a lot of people did except me because I don't even think I had her in my top four in my analysis, which was kind of crazy. But it looks like uh, Ace has got an uh, interviewee here. We're going to pass him a mic. All right, so Ace right, I'm with a uh, visibly guest. muddy Dexter Dunn. Um, very impressive victory. Just how good was she today? Uh, yeah, she was really good. She's uh, been, you know, such great form lately, and uh, uh, she just she feels feels felt great on top of the straight. I give her a bit of a cheer. Just took off, you know, like stood that mile under her own steam, stole the plugs, and you know, didn't really ask her a lot. So it's, um, she's pretty awesome to sit behind. Have you guys expect these kind of huge miles from her? The form she's in right now, I mean, she doesn't know he's such a great, great trotter. Um, you know, you, you see the times pop up on the on the timers, and you just doesn't, she's doing it, you know. So, uh, you know, she's a... Uh, Despite the rain, you remain on fire. Eight wins so far. I've been talking about behind, and that's... All right, that was Dexter Dunn. Good job, Ace Barnes there. When they're doing Dexter Dunn there, the winning driver of Manchego in race three. Once again, let's get back to race number four, guys. And uh, uh, obviously, we're talking about Win V, uh, the Sponsor Night Family Training, uh, 5 of 13 this year, over $310,000. Second place finisher in the New York Sire Stakes final. Uh, she does have some speed, but she's been doing a majority of her racing, it appears, from coming from behind. And, Garnet, that seems to not be a too bad of a strategy from what we've seen so far yesterday and today. Yeah, some people that like her in this program, uh, I don't know if I'd take three to two, but obviously that was an impressive race last week. Um, I, we have her on our ticket, so it wouldn't hurt us if she won the race. But the horse I kind of like, Mike, that caught my eye last week and is a three Adagio. She was visibly uh, powerful coming down the stretch, and um, there's not too often that a horse kind of catches my eye or whatever because you watch races. But I, I like the way she closed up in that race. Um, that's, uh, her style is uh, 
part tonight. She's five to one. I'm probably not a player because if she wins, probably gonna be live for a small fortune. So uh, I don't really think I need to bet. But she was the one I, I kind of had my eye on this race. But to me, it looks pretty wide open. Like we're six deep. Actually, let's take a look at some of the other contenders. Uh, won the Ice Duchess two to one in the morning line. Uh, very solid winner, obviously in her elimination, winning in 153. Uh, she's had some shares uh, before that, but obviously she's coming into this race in top form, and she's got the pylon, so that certainly should give Yannick uh, plenty of weapons to work with as far as racing strategy goes. Yeah, I definitely think they're off the elimination. I think it's pretty easy, her, and not that I was asked for. And you know, that's a mile back in Jersey. That's getting the Simcoe, which, you know, in the I mean, uses are very. I like her. Four to one for the guys on her off the two to one. The other horse is about two to five when Doves Cry, who was very aggressive when we were at the Hambleconian in the Hambo Oak. And you look at the season that she's seen, it's quite incredible. How, you know, she's And, of course, she finished second in Millie's possession. Millie's possession not here tonight, but obviously she has been a stalwart uh, in this three-year-old Philly trotting division. So you certainly can make a case for when Bob's Christ coming out of the tougher of the uh, two divisions with Millie's possession and the Ice Duchess. We're taking a look at the uh, television picks right now. Garnet, you're going with three. You always seem to be the oddball of all these picks as a majority of the uh, on-screen handicappers at Woodbine Mohawks do stay with number six, uh, Wim DeVee, who's obviously the wise guy horse. Five to one morning line, six to five board. Um, once again, your shoes in the three. Mike Hamilton goes with one, the Ice Duchess, who is the second uh, morning line favorite and uh, is the only one to go with number one, the Ice Duchess. We're about five minutes away from a start. They will be parading shortly. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us. It's post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA, broadcasting live from Woodmine Mohawk Park. The action is just getting started, as we have got some great, great races coming up, including the North American debut garnet of a horse that I know that everybody has been anxious to see uh, here in North America, and that is the great bold eagle that's coming up a little bit later on. Obviously, uh, you know, so uh, one of the stars of the show, without a doubt. And, of course, that certainly adds to the allure of the uh, Breeders' Crown 2019. Bold Eagle will start from post position number one. Brian Sears will be the driver uh, for uh, trainer uh, Sebastian Garato. And, of course, the rail uh, gets the rail. So it's going to be very interesting to see how Bold Eagle fares up against some of North America's great trotters. Well, they're getting set to the parade for race number four. We're going to take a very quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have the post parade for the Breeders' Crown final for the three-year-old Philly trotters. We've got post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the Mobility Aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike are you a harness racing trainer or driver? 
Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich on sign, Garnet Barnsdale and Ashley Malu, and we certainly appreciate everybody joining us as they are parading here for the Breeders' Crown Final for the three-year-old Philly Trotter. Let's meet the field. Number one, the Ice Duchess. It's a three-year-old Philly by Muscle Hill. She won uh, her elimination last start, 5 of 14 this year, 5 of 11 last year. She's made $717,000 in her career. She's owned by County Wind Farms. Trained by Nancy Johansson, who's just having a terrific Breeders' Crown. Yannick Shingra is the driver. Two Miss Trixton, three-year-old filly by Trixton. is going to be a long shot here. She's 54-1. to 1. She's owned by Order by Stables. Trained by Marcus Melander, Matthias Melander. We're looking for his first Breeders' Crown win as the driver. Three of 17 so far this year. She was a fifth-place finisher in her elimination at 65-1. to 1. She'll be like gods here tonight. Three is Asiago. Owned by Marvin Katz, Sam Goldband, Al Litzfeld, and Black Horse Racing, trained by Per Anglum. Tim Teacher drives. This is a horse that uh, really didn't have too much striking position last time. I thought rallied well in sub-28 to finish fourth against Millie's possession, which is arguably the tougher of the two eliminations. She gets a better post here tonight, and she's made $317,000 in six wins here this season. Number four is Sweet Chapter, owned by Hut Racing Stable, uh, Blake McIntosh, and uh, trained by Blake McIntosh, also owned by the Mortgage Boys Stable. Matt Kikaley drives, third-place finisher last time in her elimination against Millie's possession from the inside. She moves out. She is a big price right now, 50-1 to 1 on the board. Number five, when doves cry, a uh, horse that uh, is the morning line favorite, but not the favorite on the board. She's 9-5 to five in the program. She's 7-2 to two right now on the board. She's the second-place finish. Finisher two, Millie's possession last time out. Third place finisher two starts back uh, in the uh, fraternity at Lexington. A winner in the bluegrass. She obviously is very, very talented. Simon Alon for trainer Renee Allard, winner of four of ten, five of eight. So certainly a big three-year-old Philly campaign, and she's looking to add a Breeders' Crown to it. Six is Win V, and she is getting a lot of attention right now. She is nine to five on the board. That down considerably from that five to one morning line. She's done by Purple A Stables, right by Joan de Farms, trained by Tron Smith's hammer. Brian Sears is in the bank. She raced very well last time as she came from out of the clouds to close home in twenty six and one. She's a winner of the an overnight event, two starts back, and a second-place finisher in the New York Sire Stakes final back on September 14th. Seven is Grimmy Hanover, three-year-old filly by Cantab Hall, is owned by Tom Pollock, and trainer Jeff Colifer, Corey Callahan's in the bike. The source uh, was second in the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes, two Millie's possession, fourth-place finisher in her elimination last time. She's got some speed. She's got a little bit of talent, and she is a huge price right now. She's 63-1 to 1 on the board. The Brady Seaside Blitz, fifth place finisher in the Breeders' Crown elimination. She was 70-1 to 1 that day, and she is 
about 60 to 1 here tonight by SRF Stable, trained by Paul Kelly, James McDonald, while drives in the rain, Seaside Bliss. Nine is only take cast. Three old Philly by Cash Hall is under the McIntosh Stables, and Dave Poyle, trained by Bob McIntosh, Trevor Henry in the bank. Second place finisher in her elimination, but the big storyline for her is the post. She moves from post three all the way out to post position number nine, so that certainly is going to make things tough for her, but she is a high percentage winner. She won eight of nine last season, seven of 11 this year, and uh, she is a player. And right now, she's seven to one on the board if she can overcome the poor post. And routing out the field is number 10, Dark as the Pocket, three year old filly by Trixton. Well, by Dreamville Stables, trained by Mike Keenley. Jody Jameson will be the driver, 98-1 to one shot last time in that Breeders' Crown elimination. She was 7th place, 6th would put her here, and she is another big prize, 62-1 to one on the board, and she is 0-13 for 13 so far this season. That is a look at the field of 10. As we take a look at the horses scoring down, there is a look at the Ice Duchess on your uh, – actually, that is not the Ice Duchess. That is Krimi Hanover. Could be a live long shot. She's on the screen right now. Corey Callahan scoring her down pretty good. She looks like she's got a good stride, feeling comfortable out there. And, and certainly, comfort is a big thing, especially when you've got a horse that's not used to that surface. Krimi Hanover is certainly one of them, doing a majority of her racing in Pennsylvania and most recently at Hoosier Park before that fourth-place finish in her Breeders' Crown elimination. There is a look at number eight, Seaside Bliss. She's going to be a big prize, no question about it. Uh, she's only made $56,000 so far in her career. She's won three of 11. Uh, she didn't make it. I mean, she made it to the Breeders' Crown. She finished uh, a fifth, a rail-skinning fifth in the Ice Duchess race. And uh, James McDonald for good man, trainer Paul Kelly. Could have had him on the show uh, quite a bit here on post time with Mike and Mike. Just took a look at nine, only take cash. Obviously has some speed. I think Trevor's going to have to blast him off the wings here. Finished second uh, last time, closing well, 27-2 and two to the Ice Duchess in her elimination. But uh, once again, she moves outside, so it's going to be a tough task for her. There is a look at number 10, dark as a pocket. And, of course, we talked about her, and she is – uh, really, really, really going to be up against it here today. So that is uh, a look at most of the field. And there's a look at number two, Miss Trixon. We just saw the ice touches for Yannick Shingron. She's certainly one of the big players, one of the big contenders in this race. She's 5-2 to two right now on the board. Asiago currently 5-1, to one, number three. And uh, it was a good fourth-place finish last time. She gets post-improvement. And uh, one of the big money drivers right now, Tim Tietrich, in the bank on number three, Asiago, five when Dove Scry. Right now could be the value at uh, three to one right now on the board. And obviously she is going to be forwardly placed. Second place finish last time to Millie's possession. I think a lot of people can make a case for that being the tougher of the two eliminations last time. And uh, when Dove Scry will uh, look for another Breeders' Crown Championship. Six win to V. This is where all the wagering attention seems to be going. As uh, she was 5-1, to one, now down to 2-1 to one on the board. A good closing third-place finish last time. Second-place finish in the New York Sire Stinks. Three starts back at 90 cents on the dollar against uh, Quincy Blue Chip. She's a little bit out of position in that particular race, but the once again over the big track. And she does have speed. She blasted it at Yonkers back on the fifth. That was against uh, straight New York Sire Stinks uh, event, uh, horses. So she does have speed to get into position. 
and uh, she is getting a lot of that wagering attention right now, two to one. And I think that's creating some good value for some other horses here. I mean, nine to two on Asiago, I think is fantastic value, and I think three to one on when Doves fly. Now seven to two is unbelievable, unbelievable value. If you're looking for value, if you're trying to find horses that are, in my opinion, are going up uh, or going off a lot more than they should. I think number five, Lynn Dubs Cry, is that horse. This does start the uh, pick four. The pick four encompasses races four, five, six, or seven. Of course, the fifth race is the Breeder Crown Final for three-year-old Philly Pacers. Race six is the final for the Open Pacers. That's always interesting. I'm sure we'll uh, have Adriano Sorello on in just a minute, as I'm sure he's got a couple of things to say about Jimmy Freight. And, of course, the three-year-old Colt and Gelding final trotters in race number seven, where Greenshoe is going to just be an overwhelming favorite. He's uh, three to five in the program. So right now, this pick four guarantees at $100,000. The total pool is at 94000 And we're under 10 seconds to start here in the fourth. A final look at the odds board before we get to the race call. Six to five on, rather eight to five on number six, win the V. Five to two on one, the ice touches. 7-2 on 5 when Doves cry, 5-1 on 3 Asiago, and 7-1 on 9 only take cash. It's post time for race number 4. The starting gate is in motion. On a rainy night here at Woodbine Mohawk. Number 5 when Doves cry did uh, change some equipment up, so it'll be interesting to see how she responds. For the Renee Alarn Simon Alarn connection. Great odds on her at the present, 7 to 2 as they continue to progress towards the start. Wind of still the favorite, still getting most of the wagering attention at 3 to 2. And here they come. It's the Breeders' Crown final for three year old Philly Trotters from Woodbine Mohawk. And it looks like we're going to have a recall here, and there was a pylon that was down right at the head of the stretch, and I'm going to guess that that's the reason for the recall. may have to uh, turn up Ken Nettleton here just to make sure that that is indeed the case, but I do believe that there was a pylon that was down right at the top of the stretch. It was kind of out towards the middle of the racetrack, and I believe that's the reason for the recall. So. Uh, we're going to check in with our guys and see if we can hear them. They checked, uh, they're checking back in uh, from Woodbine, Mohawk, Garnet, Barnsdale, Ashley, Malu, and Ace Barnsdale standing by live. Garnet, can you guys hear me? I can hear you. Uh, Garnet, you here. sound perfect and crystal clear, my friend. We just had a recall in this particular race, and I'm assuming that was because there was a pylon that was kind of in about the three path at the top of the stretch. Is that indeed the reason for the recall? I think I only heard the word pylon, so I guess that must have been it, but I didn't really hear exactly how they explained it. Okay, so I'm just guessing that's the reason for the recall, and if that's the case, I think that certainly heads up. And I'll tell you what, the recall, uh, Ashley is going to do uh, some favors for the pick four players, because right now that total pool is well over its guarantee. It's at 131000 and could get another ten or 15000 in it before the race goes off. Yeah, those things like that definitely help that pool. And I mean, this sequence I think is it's an outstanding sequence probably one of the better ones of the night with this race and even the upcoming in the uh, the three-year-old Phillies the pace 
Now, I do see some equipment adjustment going on with number five when Bubs cry, so maybe that could have played a part in it as well. But uh, nonetheless, certainly when you have a pylon out in the three or four pass, I mean, the last thing you want uh, in any race is uh, some kind of accident, but certainly not in a, a race of this caliber where, you know, pretty much the whole world is watching. But actually, we do have a couple of more seconds, and now we see Brian Sears with the pylon actually in his hand. So uh, hopefully he don't use that thing as a whip. But let's... Uh, Ashley, let's quickly talk about this pick four. Uh, we've got about, I don't know, 30 or 45 seconds left. You mentioned it's a pretty good sequence. Take us through it real quick. I mean, it, this race, as Garnet mentioned, I mean, you had to kind of spread. There are a lot of live horses. Like we said, a lot of people like Wind of V, Wind Doves Cry. I think in the, the next race, a lot of people are probably going to single War We Butte. But if you're trying to go for a price, maybe you'll look to someone to the inside, Sunny D, Treacherous Rain in that three-year-old Philly pace. And then I thought the open pace was very wide open. I mean, obviously, the reigning horse of the year is in there, McWicked, but Dorsaduro, Hanover, he's got a shot in there at 6-1, to one, American history. One of the local favorites, Jimmy Freight. I just think the sequence is tough. And then you look at race seven, the three-year-old Colton Gelding Trot. Green Shoes in there, a lot of people are going to use him. Jim Pansy as well. I mean, that, that's a tough race, but I think a lot of people are going to be looking to Green Shoe, who's on a five-race win streak. Yeah, Greenshoe is going to be the heavy favorite in there. He's three, yeah, he's a three to five on the program. You don't see a lot of three to five shots on the program. He's won a million dollars this year, and uh, listen, he has walked the walk and talked the talk, and and uh, he's looking to add a Breeders' Crown to his resume. That's uh, coming up on the last leg of the pick form. But uh, Garnet, let's talk about what a recall can do. I mean, I, you know, I don't. I, I guess it would play in the minds of horses that, you know, they're getting ready to start, they're fired up at the gate, and then all of a sudden the recall lights flash. I mean, I don't know. I mean, in a situation like that, does that play a part in any kind of handicapping, especially if you're watching them physically? I think I think if you're watching a horse that looks a little bit hot, it um, looking right at the ace duck, she does look a little bit on the bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, especially if you saw one behind the gate that may have been a little bit rough uh, on the first time around. I mean, you could. I, I don't normally, but, you know, or if a horse was off stride and he was saved by the recall, then maybe I don't want to bet it again the second time around if it was, you know, breaking uh, first time. So we'll see. There's the uh, three, Asagio, the horse I picked on top. It looks okay. Yeah, something looks good right now on the screen and six to one on the board. But I'll tell you what, I think just in this race, Ashley, I think with all the attention or most of the attention going on win to V, the six horse here, I think it is creating some value for some major, major players. I mean, I think three to one's a great price on when Dove I think six to one's a great price on the three. Uh the ice touches even maybe two to one. Not too bad of an offer. Yeah, I definitely think you're right there, like you said, with heavy seven to five favorite but i still think as far as the pick four is concerned a lot of people are going to have to spread you don't want to go out on this first race when it is competitive and it's very wide open all right so once again it looks like they are starting to head to the gate there's less than 14 seconds on the countdown clock and uh, once again a look at the odds board seven to five right now on number six win the v as the gate starts to uh call the uh, trotters to the gate Gate starts to move. Two to one on one, the ice touches. Three to one right now on five when Doves cry. And six to one on three, Asiago. Eight to one right now on number nine, Seaside Bliss. So once again, it is post time. There was some equipment. Looks like minor equipment adjustment was done to number five when Doves cry. 
It was an on-track equipment repair, so certainly nothing of seriousness. That total pool now in the pick four is up to uh, over 139,000. It'll probably be 141 or 142 by the time this race goes off, so easily surpassing that $100,000 guarantee. Here we go. The Breeders' Crown final for three-year-old Philly Trotters. Field of 10, take two from Woodbine Mohawk. There, off and trotting. From between rivals, wind doves cry. No surprise. The large blaster off the wings from the outside. And moving up is only take cash. Inside the ice, Duchess comes away third. Settling down fourth is Asiago. They go into the finish line for just the first time. This Trixton settles into fifth. With Sweet Trap, they're dropping down sixth. Wind to V is seventh. And she's about eight lengths off the lead. And Asiago just jumped it off. Asiago made a break as they make their way towards that opening quarter. And clearing off the lead now is Trevor Henry and only take cash. But wind doves Cry is right back off the pocket, and when Dove's Cry moves up now to take the lead, only take Cash is second, and here's the Ice Duchess brushing. The Ice Duchess being driven aggressively by Shingra of a 26 and 2 opening quarter, and the Ice Duchess on the outside moves up to take the lead. When Dove's Cry hasn't yielded yet, but she will ultimately release as they head towards the half. Only take Cash got a good spot there, then it's long shot, Miss Trixton fourth. When Devi moves up to the outside, fifth of a pinned sweet chapter. Outside Grimmy. Hanover is underway with cover. So make the way around the turn towards the inside. Seaside Bliss is shuffled in. Trying to get back into a third up now is Asiago. Halftime 56 and 3. That was a 30 and 1 rating up top for the Ice Duchess who's trying to get away now. She ups the ante to two lengths. When Dubs Cry is second as this trot is noticeably picked up. Outside, Wind to be continues an uncovered grind turn towards the inside. Only take cash is fourth. So an half lengths back to Miss Trixon is in the clear fifth. Asiago's three wide around stale covers. They straighten away. Three quarters, one. 25 and 3 for the Ice Duchess. When Dubs cries a tighter pocket, only take cash. Has got momentum up the inside. When Devi continues to chip away at the leader, mid stretch the Ice Duchess. When Devi is kicking in now, inside the Ice Duchess, outside. When Devi is gaining up the inside. When Dubs cries down to the finish. When Devi wins the Breeders' Crown. She wins over When Dubs cry. Then the Ice Duchess and only take cash finished fourth in a final time of 153. And, guys, she was handled very confidently, 3-2 to two on the board. Brian Sears with a long, uncovered grind. And that was a very impressive effort and win for Win Yeah, I mean, obviously the betting public loved her. But, you know, we looked at her in the elimination. She was flying late. And today, you know, she had a perfect, perfect trip to get the job done. I'm a little bit quicker than that elimination. And, you know, she was motoring late. When Dove's Cry thought raced very well, was uh, twice used there, had the lead, and then ultimately ended up with the pocket, had the close inside, but just simply got outclosed. But, you know, Ashley, you take a look at the the body language of driver Brian Sears down the stretch with Wynn V, and even when she was a length back inside of the eighth pole, it just didn't seem like he was worried. It, it, it just seemed like he uh, she was push-button here tonight. No, he was very confidently driven. You can see the other horses when you watch the replay and the stretch. I mean, they were really kind of working for it, but he looked to his inside, and he knew he was going to get the job done. Six five one nine five. When Dubs Cry settles for second of the one, the Ice Duchess finished third at five to two, and fourth goes to number nine. Only take cash at eight to one. 
I thought raced pretty well. It looked like she could have been a winner. She was closing up the inside, but Herbert ultimately flattened out as they got inside of the 16th pole. 6519 at race number four. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll have much more, including winner's circle reaction from our man, Ace Barnsdale. We've got first time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USDA. We'll be back in just a moment. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the Mobility Aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. 
Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raise to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, On Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th. And eighth. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. And we are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the United States Running Association. Mike Bozich, along with Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, and Ashley Mailer joining us live on site. The prices are posted. Win the V returns $5 to win, $3 to place, $2.50 to show. $0.20 super returns $17.74. The pick three, $4.23.35. Exact of $15.20. Trifecta for $1.17.55. Your super for a dollar returns. $88.70. Garnet, let's talk a little bit about a live pick five ticket. We had a 65 to 1 in the first leg. Sharton, the big favorite, goes down in the second leg. How's the prices looking? What are the payoffs? A little small, I think, with where we you viewed, even though she's two to five. It's uh, for a 20 cents, $478. But we also have Tall Drink Hanover, the second choice, which would pay over 2000 and treacherous rain uh, for twenty cents would get us six grand. Wow! So those are the three horses. So basically, uh, you're you're looking for War Wee Butte to get beat by one of those two horses. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Pretty much. I'm hoping the rain will bring the rain. <laughs> you're hoping it will rain green, certainly yes. for you. But uh, okay, so we we know obviously the War Wee Butte is the dominant Nick, horse in this division. And Nick's got Brian uh, Sears here, buddy. Okay, let's go to let's go to Ace. Back in the paddock with the White Knight, Brian Sears, more like the Muddy Knight, right about now. Um, congratulations on your win. Did you expect that kind of a mile out of her? You know, if, if things worked work out, I was pretty happy with uh, you know this, my chances. Uh, you know, there's a breaker in the first turn, put me one spot up closer, and they they they, they were you know the fractions weren't that big, but uh, there's a big headwind out there, so. It probably um, took its toll on the horses up front. And uh, what have you seen from her over the course you've been driving her um, that that maybe has improved with the horse? Well, you know, she's been racing in New York all summer, and, uh, you know, she's been the head of the class up there pretty much throughout the year. So, you know, she hasn't competed as far as on the Grand Circuit level, but the way she raced last week, I was really happy with her trotting home in 26-1. and So that's what you really like to see, and uh, she's a great gate at Phillies. Got over the ground real well, so I was 
you know, pretty confident that I had a good chance to, to, you know, hit the board in there. Okay, thanks a lot. Congratulations. Good luck on the rest of the night. Thanks very much. All right, that was Brian Sears, driver of the winner, the three-year-old Philly Trot in the Davis Crown Final. A win, DeVee. And uh, once again, she was 5-1 to one in the program, Garnet. She uh, was bet down to 3-2. to two. And uh, so, obviously, she was what we called as punters the wise guy horse. The only wise guy wasn't was the only non wise guy was me who somehow didn't have him in the top uh, four. So uh, I don't really know uh, what happened there. Hey, Mike, we got um, we got one of the Ushua youth members uh, here, uh, Nathan Bain. Uh, maybe he wants, we want to say hello to him. He's here with his dad, and uh, Nathan actually's uh, a budding announcer. He's doing a lot of announcing at uh, Leamington Raceway, and uh, also does the pregame show. So we're gonna have uh, Nick ask him a couple questions. If that's all right. All right, that sounds good. Let's turn it over once again to Ace Barnsdale with Nathan Bain. All right, we're here with fellow Hushwa Canada member Nathan Bain in the paddock. Uh, we had a meeting earlier today, but uh, let's not get into that. Nathan, uh, you came up, you came, uh, well, you would come east from Leamington. Um, how excited are you for this card of racing? Well, this is a great card of racing, and it's so good to have it here in Ontario. Woodbine Mohawk Park does such a good job hosting this event, and I'm very glad to see it here. Do you have any uh do you have any plays for tonight? I'm just here watching tonight and taking in all the great racing that's happening on the track. Well for Leamington tomorrow though. Well Leamington we actually got Sportsline who is very competitive in the Ontario Star Stakes program on the circuit this season and he won a quite a bit divisions and he's in our open pace tomorrow and I think he's gonna be tough to beat in there. Now you're you're you are yourself an announcer. What what goes into a race call just uh, to get a little behind the scenes info? Well, there's so much that goes into a race call. You've got to be accurate, and you've got to be clear and exciting at the same time and smooth into it. All right. Thanks a lot, Nathan. We've got to get into this. Have me on. All right, that was Nathan Bain. Good job, Ace Barnsdale. I'm on that interview with uh, Nathan Bain. We're getting set for the uh, post-parade for the three-year-old Philly Breeders' uh, Crown Final on the pace of Field of Ten. And, uh, guys, uh, we're going to basically go one, two, three. So, Garnett, I'll uh, go ahead, and you can uh, go with number two. And, uh, Ashley, if you want to go with number three, and I'll start with Beauty on the Beach, three-year-old Philly by some beach somewhere. owned by James Averett. He's also the breeder, trained by Greg McNair, Doug McNair on the bike, 5 of 15 so far this season. The fourth place finish in her elimination. She gets major post improvement from post 10 to post position number one, and she has speed, so she will figure at least early on. The two Sunny D in Ontario Sire Stake uh, horse looks like she got a buy. She wasn't in the elimination. Uh, she's getting no respect on the board at 30 to 1, trained by Bob McIntosh, a Hall of Famer, owned by him with partners and driven by Trevor Henry. This horse will be blasting off the gate. That's one thing I can guarantee you. The three treacherous trained to be driven by Dexter Dunn, owned and trained by the Alanyas. And this is one of two that he'll send out. Very impressive in the Jughead elimination, third in the final, and ran a lifetime best of 148 and 3 in the Fan Hanover. Number four is Tall Drink Hanover. Tony Alani has had a fantastic breeders' crowd. He once again teams up with Andy McCarthy. Also, the other owners are Marvin Katz, Riverview Racing, bred by Hanover Shoe Farms. Tall Drink Hanover, 7 of 14 so far this season. A good second place finish in the elimination to war. We've reviewed another that has speed. will probably be forwardly placed here. Currently, she is 6 to 1 on the board. A strong second favorite right now. The horse you're about ready to talk about, Garnet, is the elephant in the room, without question. 
Yeah, your current one to five favorite is the five Warwi U Butte. In their last uh, six starts, he's won by no less than two lengths. Owned by Burke Racing Stable and Partners, trained by Ron Burke, driven by Yannick Jingra. Probably a deserving one to five favorite in this field, at the way her form has been. The six of 76 to one currently. Ideation Hanover, James Michelle with the drive. Owned by Larry Maneri and trained by David Maneri. Well, this one was fifth in the elimination behind Warwick. You viewed, and it's been a while since she's won, but she did win here on October 4th. Did finish second in her jug at elimination and then second in the final at a price. Take a look at number seven, Philly Hanover, the three-year-old Philly Bank captain, Treacherous, held by the Ron Coyne Stables and Blair Corbeil. Ron Coyne trains. Louis Philippois drives. This horse was a winner in my neck of the woods, guys, at Harris, Philadelphia, a couple of starts ago. One by seven and three-quarters lengths and 151 and two. She was impressive that day. And uh, you know what? She was able to make the final. She was parked a mile. She did finish third in war. We debuted. She does move outside, but that's probably not going to affect her strategy in the race as she figures to be a come from behind. Once uh, right now on the board, 89 to 1. I do think she could be a live use underneath that. I agree with that at, at 85 to 1 for sure. The 8 Stonebridge Soul, owned by Henderson Farms, Robert Mondillo, trained by Chris Ryder, driven by Tim Teacher, currently 38 to 1. I'm pretty sure she beat all these horses uh, earlier this year. She was very good early in the summer. Obviously, you see, she has five wins, six seconds, and 18 starts. Uh, none of them in her last three starts. But she could be a bit of a sleeper here, too, especially if uh, Tim decides to send her off the gate. Another bit of an outsider is the number nine, Queen of the Pride, owned by Frank Schick, trained by Kevin Lair, and to be driven by Brian Sears. Sixth in the elimination, was third in Lexington in the bluegrass. And if you look at this one, last win was at Northfield Park over a sloppy track in the Ohio Sire Stakes final, 151-3 and three was the time. And the final horse is number 10, Best Stellar Hanover, three-year-old Philly Vines, some beach somewhere. She's going to be big guns here. She was 109 to 1 last time, and she's right there at the 90 to 1. But, uh, hey, she's in the dance. She uh, was also racing in my neck of the woods down at Mohegan from Okinawa. The one three starts back in a third, two, state, two starts back in competition. She was the fourth-place finisher in the Jugget. So that's the field for the Philly Pace edition of the Breeders' Crown. We've got a field of 10 to do battle. The heavy favorite obviously is Warley U. Butte, and she has made $1.3 million plus. She's won 11 of 16 this year. She has picked up right where she left off as a three-year-old. She did struggle a little bit early on in the season, but obviously that is way behind her. Yeah, she's been phenomenal uh, recently. Uh, you know, Treacherous Rain took her on in the Juggette. Uh, Dexter Dunn drew the rail. He wouldn't let her go. She tried to make a move to the front in the first uh, quarter. He wouldn't let her go. Seated her, and uh, on the back stretch in the third quarter, she just pulled again and blew right by. So uh, she's just been phenomenal. I, I'm not really sure what it's going to take to get her beat here, but um, I wouldn't mind to beat her with the three or the four. No, certainly no question about it. You definitely have the two top contenders. Ashley, once again, if we're trying to think outside the box, I know as uh, a punter and somebody that likes to put down a couple of books every now and again that you do like to think outside the box. So if we don't like where we abuse, if we do think she can get beat, where do we go? I mean, we've already talked about treacherous rain and Calder and Hanover. I think they're logical. But if you look at the outside five, I mean, they're all sitting at big prices and if I had to go something maybe in the trifecta, I would look to the eighth Stonebridge Soul. I mean, only fifth best in the Jugette and barely got to the final, finished eighth in the elimination here. But I think when you look at the race at Pocono and the Lynch Memorial, it was a fabulous trip for that one, and everything went right for her that day. 
I, I just think, you know, if I'm looking for a price, that's probably the most logical I can see. All right, some of the others, 11-1 to one, one, Beauty on the Beach, 18-1 or 19-1 to one right now on number two, Sunny D. And, and Garnet Sunny D is a horse that you had a chance to see. He was a beaten favorite two starts back, tried to go on the front end in an, uh, in an overnight event and just uh, got out fought there at the line by Ideation Hanover. was kind of a perfect trip second uh, in uh, the Ontario Sires for the Super Final last time. Like Mac- uh, Bob McIntosh, uh, one of the legendary trainers here, uh, Garnet, so... She's been really good all year, Mike. She's uh, you see she's hit the board 19 of the 20 times. So at 17 to one, uh, she's not a bad one to use in the triactor and, and the superfecta. I, I honestly don't see her beating uh, these these top uh, Grand Circuit mares. But you know, stranger things have happened. She did finish third in the Simcoe, which is a Grand Circuit race here on September 7th to Taldrin Canover and Boudica, who uh, didn't make the final, was also eligible. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think she's a, a logical one to put underneath for sure. All right, so where we viewed is the heavy favorite right now, 1-5 to five on the board, 6-1 to one on number 4, Taldrin Canover, 8-1 to one on number 3, Treacherous Rain, as uh, they are continuing to uh, kind of circle the starting gate here. This is the uh, start of another pick 3, exactly 20 cent try. It is the payoff leg of that pick 5. Garnet is 3 deep here, trying to get past where we viewed perhaps for price with Treacherous Rain and Taldrin Canover. Treacherous Rain in the Glen Garnet last time. Garnet was hard used from the outside, post 9. Uh, I mean, just chiseled up, 53 and 2 to the half, and 121 and 3 for 3 quarters. Now, we know Lexington's a very fast track, but nonetheless, those are some grueling, grueling fractions, and I do believe she had every right to tie her in that particular event. Yeah, and if she can get, you know, if she can trip out a little bit, uh, you know, you got two Alani horses here in the second, third choice, uh, so that's something to maybe keep in mind, the treacherous rain and tall drink Hanover. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, one of them's going to take War Will You Beat On at some point in this mile. And there you see Trevor Henry with Sonny D. I'm, I'm sure he's blasting. And uh, interesting, you know, this is an interesting race when you look at it because almost all of the inside horses typically show really good early speed. So uh, Beauty on the Beach, uh, you know, she leaves second from the 10 hole last week in a 25-4 in a and four quarter. So I don't think she's taking a back seat either. So um, this, this could end up being a race where somebody trips out. But, uh, you know. If, if you want to take a shot against or will you beat her one to five, I think you need a trip to beat her. Yeah, no question about it. She is definitely the dominant force in this particular race. The countdown clock has been activated for less than 55 seconds. And uh, if you hear any noise on my end, I'm back at the post time with Mike and Mike Studio. This happens to be the announcement for the Harris Philadelphia. And believe it or not, obviously we don't have any live racing tonight, but Garnet, go figure. They have a live band on the apron tonight. On this Saturday. So, uh, anyway, they sound pretty good, by the way, I gotta say. All right, here we go. Field of 10 getting set to start. It is the three old Philly final, the Breeders' Crown. Going for a purse of $720,500. Once again, Waterview Butte is the horse to beat. She's been the dominant horse as a two year old against much of the same foes. And she was picked up right where she is left off 11 of 16 the win column. Close to seven hundred thousand dollars in seasonal earnings. It's a four six to one right on four tall drink caliber, eight to one on three treacherous pain. And uh, we're gonna set to the race hall as they slowly make their way to the starting gate. Uh Garnet actually really quick. Uh talk about the crowd. Talk about the crowd, the fans uh, out there tonight. We've got a pretty good crowd out there for the Breeders' Crown. 
Yeah, the crowd is kind of staying inside because of the weather, but there was a good turnout. There's a lot of different tents and different events here at Woodbine Mohawk Park, and it looks like a lot of people are taking advantage of it. All right, guys, here we go. It is time for the Breeders' Crown, the three-year-old Philly Pace Edition. A field of ten set to do battle one to five right now on five four. We you she is the heavy favorite as expected as they circle out from that turn into the stretch. And here we go. Round fighters for the three-year-old three paces from Woodbine Mohawk Park. They're off and pacing. Good speed from the outside for Stonebridge Soul, who moves out for the lead from in between rivals. Treacherous Rain is forwardly placed. Towards the inside, Sunny D is right there. The favorite War We You Butte is floating currently to make the way around the turn. Tall drink cantaloupe for the red hot Andy McCarthy is currently fifth. And two lengths better than Beauty on the Beach. They continue to press forward to the opening quarter. We'll go back to the top where Treacherous Rain on the outside circles up around long shots. Stonebridge Soul and Shingra pulls the trigger right now with War We You Butte. No waiting on her, no reason to. Opening quarter, 25-3, and three, so they're going some. And Treacherous Rain is sure to release War We You Butte up top. Back to third is Stonebridge Soul, three lengths off the lead. Sunny D is in line fourth. Racing in fifth, Tall Drink Hanover, followed by Butte on the beach, the single file on their approach to the half. Then it's Ideation Hanover next, followed in seventh, or eighth rather, by Philly Hanover. Then it's bestseller Hanover to the inside, and Queen of the Pride is the trailer. And War We You Butte's going to be first to the half, 54-4. and four. She got the race. She wanted 29 and 1. Treacherous Rain is second as they race around the turn. Tall Drink Hanover's offering up third, but now War We You Butte steps on the gas pedal. She opens up by a length. Tall Drink Hanover's all out to stick with. Inside Treacherous Rain's a looser pocket. Third and fourth position, Stonebridge Soul, and she is all out too. Straighten away for the stretch drive. 123 and 1 for three quarters. War We You Butte leads it by two. Inside Treacherous Rain is second. Tall Drink Hanover third. Stonebridge Soul is still back fourth mid-stretch. War We You Butte being driven here. She's up by a couple. Tall Drink Hanover still in with a puncher's chance. Treacherous Rain now drops back. Single spot through Stonebridge Soul. War We You Butte is going to be a driven out winner as they come down to the finish. She'll take the Breeders' Crown as expected. Tall Drink Hanover second, third. Stonebridge Soul. It was War We You Butte in a final time of 150 and two. And guys, no surprise as where we view takes it, but uh, you know, Shingra did have to get on her a little bit uh, as they went beyond the eighth bowl. Yeah, I mean, obviously not a shock, but you're, you're really correct, Mike. I mean, she kind of did have to get on her a little bit late, but she ends up winning by a length in there. And, you know, really strong performance from Tall Drink Hanover. Uh, Treacherous Rain kind of checked out a little bit. Yeah, Treacherous Rain, of course, was used in the late stages into that uh, very fast 25-3 and three opening quarter and ultimately ended up with the pocket gun for the brushing war we debuted. But nonetheless, she takes care of business. She is a Breeders' Ground champion once again. She's a two, and now she is a three. And she is just uh, an unbelievable horse. Owned by Burke Racing, Phil Kalora, Jerry and Teresa Silva, Penelope Libby, Weaver, Bersemi, of course, Mark Weaver, Von Burke, all really good friends of the program. Von Burke, looking trainer, Yannick Shingler on Thanks Care of Business. We're going to have Winter Circle matches coming up in just a moment. We're going to take a time out when we come back. Talk more about the three-year-old Philly Pace. America and the USTA. Back in a moment. 
Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Bootenshane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training service in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, On Gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and for more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. From the edge of your seat starts to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the Mobility Aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. Hey, hey. 
We are back. This time is Mike with Mike, presented by Better America and the USTA. Both sides of Mike Studios and, of course, broadcast live from Woodbine Mohawk. We're joined on site by our good friends at Woodbine Mohawk, of course, Scott Barnsdale, Ashley Mayler, joined us. Uh, guys, once again, we just saw the Breeders' Crown final for three year old Philly, and uh, once more, we debuted Ferry and Hutt. She was all business tonight. Um, it, you know, I thought that maybe halfway down the lane, Tall Drink had a shot at her, but uh, nope. And the horse that we uh, kind of gave out a little bit for horse use underneath Stonebridge Shoal, our partner uh, Ashley here used in the try, so she's cashing. A little hopeful that horse is going to get up for a second to home past Tall Drink and over at those odds. Still there? Yeah, no question about it, guys. And uh, hopefully we're going to have winner circle reaction here in just a moment with Ace Barnsdale. But uh, where were you? you uh, well, I guess, Connie, you cast. I mean, obviously you were kind of rooting for the upset with Treacherous Rain and Tall Drink Hanover. But uh, where were you? And we talked to Ashley a little bit about this. Seemed like Jingla had to get into her a little bit to kind of keep her mind on on the task as they got inside the eighth ball. Yeah, I was. I actually was walked down to the track. I was standing beside uh, Ron Burke during the during the race, and he halfway down the stretch, he only said one thing. He's kind of like, "Come on, Yannick!" And that, it almost looks like Yannick heard him because uh, he took off again. I was about halfway down the lane, and. Uh, you know, it could be the wet track affecting it a little bit, but you can't take anything away from Tall Drink Hanover. She's beat her already a couple times this year, right? So uh, she's right there with her, but right now, or will you beat just a little bit better? Let's take a look at the uh, winning prices. War will you beat 240 to win, 210 to place, 210 to show. Tall Drink Hanover finishing second, returning 360 and 260. Stonebridge Soul was third at six sixty. The twenty cents super fact of forty dollars and three cents. That's not terrible, guys. For uh, the twenty cents super, the uh, pick three returns eight dollars sixty cents. Of course, uh, the exact of five twenty. The trifecta for dollars thirty two forty, and the super fact of four dollars returns two hundred dollars and fifteen cents. So where will you be? Thanks care of business in the three year old silly pace as expected. Let's uh, move along, guys. Let's talk about uh, race number six and. Um, it is the open pace, and this always one of the most interesting, in my opinion. And, of course, you've got the, uh, once again, the matchup. A little bit of a rivalry, I think, Garnet, of sorts, that is building here between Jimmy Freight and McWicked. But certainly over the last couple of starts, it looks like McWicked is starting slowly but surely. And I know we're already at the end of the year, but it took McWicked a while to kind of regain that form that he had back in 2018. Yeah, he seems to get better as the year goes on, but I know, um, you know, we're looking at uh, Casey Coleman right here. She's about eight feet from us watching McWicked get ready, and he's about six feet from us in the stall next to us uh, here. But um, he seems to get better as the race, as the year goes on, but I do know that he had some feet issues also this year, which may have compromised some of some of his starts. But, um, you know, post eight, it's going to be interesting to see what he does from post eight because he's not known for what, to be one that rockets off the gate. I can see him getting away fifth or sixth here. And he may have to grind first up. So this is this is going to be an interesting race. It's definitely not cut and dry, uh, his race, I don't think. 
you listen, you're a big friend of uh, Adriano Sorella, and he's a big friend of Chris Racing. Does a lot to promote the sport and a lot to su- uh, support the business. And what a great story Jimmy Freight is. I mean, straight out of the cornfields of Ohio. You certainly don't see uh, a lot of horses that come out of the cornfields of Ohio that uh, have the success that Jimmy Freight has had. But, uh, you know, Adriano took the plunge, and uh, Jimmy's been such a great horse for him. Nearly made a million dollars last year. Tried to make $429,000 here in 2019, and has just been uh, a real for a guy like Adriano to have. Yeah, and he seems to be getting a little bit better as the year goes on here, too. And uh, from the two-hole, you know, I think uh, I think he projects to get a pretty good trip here. So we'll see. I know Adriano's got a few people with him upstairs. And, uh, of course, uh, you know, if uh, if Jimmy wins, you're probably going to only be talking to Ashley because I think Nick and I are going to sprint to the winner's circle to join our friend for a pitcher. And hopefully that's what's going to transpire. But I don't think it's going to be easy for anybody in this race, to be honest. Well, obviously, if Jimmy Freight wins, guys, the party is going to uh, go on and on and on tonight, certainly to the wee hours of the morning, if uh, Jimmy Freight can win the Breeders' Crown. But, uh, actually, let's uh, let's take a look at maybe some of the other horses in this race. You know, Dorsodaro Hanover is a horse that really was struggling at the beginning of the year after making $1.2 million as a three-year-old. But slowly but surely, you see this horse starting to come around. Uh, you see some others maybe that are showing some signs of form as well. This race for the Nick Rickon and Jimmy Freight. Yeah, it's funny that you bring him up. When we were handicapping the races for the Breeders' Crown program, they kind of ask you, if you had 20 bucks to bet, what would you bet? And this is a horse that I said I would wheel both ways with the remaining two bucks. I'd play two to win on him. And that was before the morning line came out. I thought he might be around 10 to 1, but he's, he's 6 to 1 morning line. Coming out of that win in the preferred here just a week ago, I mean, he was a strong third to McWicket. I mean, he was well beaten by five lengths, but he had a decent final quarter in that race at the Red Mile. And he said he kind of struggled a little bit, you know, but I thought the price would be right. And, you know, he's kind of an outsider. When you look at McWicket, obviously, he's one that stands out. And even Jimmy Freight, when he won here, when he won the Mohawk Bull Cup, 148 and one. It was a great time. You know, then he returned in the Dayton Derby to get the win. And like you had mentioned earlier, second in the preferred just a week ago. Uh, that I look at for a little bit of value. All right, guys, let's do the post parade. I'll start with one. Garnet, you can go with two. That'll give you a chance to talk about your main Jimmy Freight. Nashley will pick up with three. Let's talk about one. Easy lover, handle six year old gelding by Sun Beach, somewhere in Zumbin, Bradley Grant, Fred by Hannibal Shoe Farms, trained by Ben Wallace. Mug McNair is the drunk coming off of a preferred win here at the Woodbine uh, Mohawk. He's actually been having a good time in the preferred ranks here at Woodbine Mohawk. Obviously, this is a step up in class, but does draw the inside, is versatile. It's currently 91 on the board. To Jimmy Freight, owned by Adriano Sorella of Guelph, trained by Richard Moreau, driven by Scott Zeron, a winner of the Dayton Pacing Derby this year, and also the Mohawk Gold Cup, where he did beat McWicked. Uh, Jimmy Freight starts from the two hole, and he's currently nine to two. The three American History, owned by Brittany Farms, Marvin Katz, American History Racing, trained by Tony Alanya, driver Joseph Bongiorno, seventh in the Dan Rooney at Yonkers, and was fourth down at the Red Mile and will look to get another win for the first time since September. Number four is the win back for Fred G's Joe. And this is a very interesting horse. The points finisher uh, at the Woodbine Mohawk last time in that preferred, but they have a pretty tough trip was uh, 55 cents on the dollar and was driven uh, pretty hard there by uh, Dave Miller. He gets extra done on the bike here tonight. The source has had some success um, and he's got a little bit of talent. He's uh, owned by Ben Racing 
Of course, right by them back on Trayvon Air Fellows next one in the blind G's Joe could be a live long shot right now. It's a one to one guy. Five. Courtly Choice, ten to one. Currently, he just, he just dropped from eighteen to one to ten to one in the last two minutes. He's got a flair for the dramatic at this track. Courtly Choice, winner of the Canadian Pacing Derby. Uh, he's known to jump up in finals. I wouldn't read too much into his preferred start last week. He's only stable and partners, trained by Blake McIntosh, driven by regular driver James McDonald. Number six, always a prince, owned by Carl and Melanie Atley, trained by Scott George, be driven by David Miller. The Hoosier Park Invasor comes off third in the open there in October. Been a little bit since this one has won, but it's definitely going to have to step up today. Number seven is Johanna. We'll talk a little bit about this horse. Four-year-old gelding dies Sunday summer. Off the win in the preferred horse after a really nice three-year-old campaign. He did struggle a little bit uh, in the start of, not the start of the season, but he since picked up his ball game in two of his last four. When he went in the cane at the Depavian. That was back on September 14th. Mackie Kaylee is back for trainer Ron Burke. And right now, eight to one on the board. The eight McWicked has... Brian Sears driving for Casey Coleman in SSG Stables. Uh, he's been a horse of the year in the past. He's getting hot at the right moment. He's made over $2.5 million in his last two years and more than $5 million lifetime. McWicked's resume really speaks for itself. Currently the 6-5 to five favorite on the board. The 9 filibuster Hanover, owned by Burke Racing, Joe DeSala, J&T Silva Stables, and Sarney, trainer Ron Burke, driver. One win this year, 2019, but this is the 2017 Little Brown Juggler in 2018 on the Confederate and the Country. Goes in the Breeders' Crown off a second to McWicket and Ridge at Red Mile. And rounding out the field is number 10. This is the plan. Four-year-old counting by Subway. Some organic Shingron tribes. Trader Lombard, Mark Racing, Weaver, Bussani, and Teresa Silva, Purnell, and Libby. Along with Larry Carr, this is the uh, winner of the Hoosier Park Pacing Derby first match back in 148. Is no stranger to the winning circle in big races. I had a little bit of a tough trip last time in the dance with me. I thought race okay was used in the Dayton Derby last time. Obviously, post 10 can be tough. We had a chance to talk to Ron Burke a couple of weeks back on the first time with Mike and program, and he said that this horse has got as much speed as anybody, and he did not get the stuff that he wanted in the Dan Rooney. So this could be a live horse right now. 28-1 to 1 on the board, especially if you're looking for plays underneath. So let's talk about this uh, wide-up going 8-5 to 5 right now on number 8, Nick Wicked. And Ashley, this is a year or two ago against this kind of field. Probably would have been 2-5, to 3-5. But now, we're 8-5. to five. You look at him, he's, he's so impressive. Last year he made over 1.5 million reigning horse of the year, not only in the U.S., but Canada as well. And he's going to look to break a million dollars on the year in purse earnings. It's hard to go against, but it feels anything can happen. We saw that it took him a little bit this year to get rolling. He's had some issues, especially when he's coming in here in the Mohawk Cup, where he was defeated. So he's a little vulnerable, but he's still going to be my top pick at the end of the day. Garnet, uh, right now, Jimmy Freight is a co-second choice with number three, American History. This is kind of an interesting horse. 
Obviously, post-state as a Dan Rooney, you know, that's just a tough task. We found a little bit there. Nine to one was a beaten favorite. Three starts back in the Alawage. It's most improvement from those two particular races. And if you look back at all the lines at Yonkers and Harrington in the Quillian, sort of has shown some grinding ability. And from this post, could be on the first over grind here with striking position today. Yeah, he's a bit of another wise guy horse. I noticed the uh, publicly campers and, and their reasoning was that he had two nightmarish trips recently both starts. So uh, I didn't see those races. I, I tried to see I can, but I didn't. So, um, you know, we already had one wise guy horse, and, you know, win to me win very easily. This horse has taken a lot of money. He just dropped down to second choice at four to one. So we'll see. And, uh, you know, uh, Tony Alani is having a big year so far. So uh, you can count. And I see Sugar Doyle's second pick behind McWicked. Jimmy for 8-9-2 on the board. And, uh, Garnet, I'll let you talk about him because, uh, obviously, you're really good friends with the owner, Adriano Sorella. We talked about how uh, a Cinderella of a story that Jimmy Freight has been. And uh, he's shown some versatility as of late. I mean, he came from off the pace to win the Dayton Derby. Then he was on the lead on the Dan Rooney and just got finished by McWicket and Mickey Gee. And he uh, tucked and came from off the pace again at Woodbine Mohawk in preferred. So Scott Zeron's got some options here from post position number two. Yeah, and I think they, you know, Adriano said he was just looking for week and to get him tight and I think that was the trip they were looking for. Followed Dorsaduro Hanover home. Um he definitely has some options. I would prefer to leave probably in the four five and uh probably 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 looking for a second over trip. I you know you can never you can never know for sure. But uh definitely a Cinderella story bought for a hundred and I think he bought him for a hundred fifty thousand. Uh he uh, you know you know one oh uh, some of the first races this horse uh, had on his ch- chart were uh, like two oh nine so he bought him out of a race where he went 158 and apparently broke the track record at one of those uh, cornfield tracks by two seconds, and that's kind of what he saw. All right, let's. Uh, this is the start of the late pick five, guys. Another hundred thousand dollar guarantee, and uh, right now that pool stands at seventy four thousand. So I'm going to imagine that they're going to give this thing a couple more minutes to try to get up to that hundred thousand dollar guarantee. Uh, Garnet, uh, I know you played the early pick five and you were successful there with a, a pretty decent payoff. So uh, did you put together a ticket for the late pick five here tonight? I did. I'm four deep here in the first leg. Uh, Jimmy Frey, Courtly Chase. Dorsa, Durrell, Hanover, and McWick. We did the green, which worked with Martin, so we went, uh, we used Don't Leave Him and Gimpanzee also on that leg. We raced the three-year-old Colt Pace. That's where we singled with Better's Wish. And then we went deep into the race. The open chart, we have Bold Eagle, Mission Accepted, Guardian Angel Lots at the land at six-pack. You can see we're not totally sold on Bold Eagle. We're trying to beat him. And our last uh, leg, we only went three deep. First, Hanover. Sorry, we also used Can't Be coming out of a Breeders' Crown elimination, and uh, with two partners that cost us fifty-seven sixty, which is not even twenty bucks. So I think it's a pretty ticket. Okay, Ashley, did you uh, did you uh, stab at the slate pick five? I didn't. I mean, I studied all the races, but for me, this is too tough, especially getting to the final Breeders' Crown. I thought that, that was a wide open event. Um, in the open trot, I mean, obviously, like we've mentioned, Bold Eagle has concerned him is the shipping. It's going to be his first race outside of Europe. You know, my forte is a little bit more of the third. I know shipping a horse can do a lot of 
damage and it takes a little bit of recovery sometimes. So for me, I thought he was vulnerable. You look at Atlanta coming out of a, a little bit of a longer race than she probably had wanted to go and hopefully she'll rebound. She was impressive in the belief trot. The sequence was tough, so I decided I'm going to stick to the exotic wagers and the active tries for the night. All right, Gun Clock is under a minute, guys. Real quick, on it before we get to the call of this uh, open pace uh, in the Breeders' Crown. You did key better's wish in the pick five. Uh, that's in the three-year-old cold pace in race eight. Tell us why. I think it's just been the top uh, the top cold most of the year. Um, for me, I think it's, it's going to be a, a really bad trip to get beat. I just think he stands out as, as the top in that division, and uh, that's where we decided to single. Um, you know, a lot of people are going to single green shoe. I'd like to try and get him beat. I thought the track was going to be much sloppier when we played our ticket. We played it at like six o'clock. So, uh, luckily we haven't got as much rain, but that's kind of what we, uh, a couple of in the green shoe race as well as. All right. Thank you very much, Garnett. We'll come with Garnett, Ashley, and Ace in just a moment. Right now, we are less than five seconds away uh, on the countdown clock anyway as they slowly make their way to the starting gate for the Breeders' Crown Final, the open pace. Field of 10, the final look at the wagering board right now. Six to five on number eight, Nick Wid. You've got nine to two on three, American History, who is a slight second favorite right now. Over number two, Jimmy Freight, six to one on seven doors. Sodero Hanover, eight to one on one easy lover Hanover. This starts the late pick five, one hundred thousand dollar guarantee. Also the start of another three. And they're nearing the start. It's the open pace. Six hundred and fifty-five thousand dollars first. The Breeders' Crown continues. From Woodbine Mohawk. Here they come. Off and pacing. Good speed on the outside from Dorsodaro. Hanover's forwardly placed for Kikaley. Outside levers include. This is the plan and Mick Wicked showing speed today. And that's uh, a tucking move as he is back into fourth as this is the plan blasts off the wings. But from the inside, American history wants an early part of it too. And American history moves through to take the lead. This opening quarter appears to be very fast here. This is the plan. The long shot settles into second with Dorsodaro Hanover third. Mick Wicked is fourth. And Jimmy Freight is on the move from fifth out wide of Easy Lover. Hanover 25 and 4 the opening quarter as they race up the back stretch and it's American history in front by a length. This is the plan. Titans down second. Dorsodero Hanover is brushing out of third for Kikalia. Two and a half lengths back to McWicked fourth. Outside Jimmy Freight's taken air, but looking to flush McWicked perhaps. Inside Easy Lover Hanover's no place to go sixth. Racing in seventh position is always a prince about nine lengths off a clearing leader. Towards the inside filibuster Hanover shoots the gap and it's courtly choice. They make their way around the turn. They got the half and 53 for no rest there. 28 for the second. And Dorsodero Hanover is trying to race away and hide. American history sits a loose pocket. Nick Wicked moves up on the outside. Jimmy Freight found the, find, found the cover that he wanted, but he is gapped off and at the present. This is the plan. Is still fourth along the inside. As they come to the top of the stretch, Dorsodero Hanover has the lead. Nick Wicked is on the grind. American history tightens down. They straighten away. Dorsodero Hanover trying to spring the upset. Up the inside, American history is trying to get through. Nick Wicked needs to pick up his ball game. This is the plan. 
Atlantis Force, mid-stretch inside, still battling hard. American History now takes the lead outside Dorsodero Hanover, splitting rivals late. Here's always a prince coming on for the Hall of Famer, but it's American History, driven out by Bongiorno. He wins the Breeders' Crown over Dorsodero Hanover. Always a prince was on the scene late third, 148-3 for American History. And, guys, we talked about perhaps the wise guy horse, the horse that may have been a little bit lower than what he should have been on the odds board. Obviously, this horse got big post-improvement, had no striking range at all in both the Dan Rooney and the Alarage, has striking range here today, and Garnet, he made them all pay. You know, there were some guys, I think Gabe Pruitt was one of them. Uh, a couple other guys saying that this horse got some bad trips and he was a big, he had a big shot tonight and five to one, uh, Joe Bongiorno got on the trip and uh, disappointing races from Wicked, uh, disappointing race from Jimmy Freight. I think um, Scotty tried to make it and it just took too long to do it. So, uh, uh, you know, uh, American history came to play and he, Tony Alanya continues to be hot. Yeah, he certainly does. Tony Alani is just cleaning up here on the Breeders' Crown. Joe Bongiorno gets the Breeders' Crown title. I thought Dorsodoro Hanover actually raced very well as well. I mean, blasted off the wings along with this is the plan. And, and it was a bold brush, I thought, by Kikaley coming out of third to uh, take the lead and uh, then had to deal with some heat. But uh, I thought Dorsodoro Hanover raced really sharp tonight. Yeah, obviously I was happy. I wheeled him both ways. I, I thought he was going to offer value and then off seven to one. So personally, you know, from a price advantage, it didn't it ended up going off at five to one. But considering he stuck around, he looked very strong turning for home, and he stuck around for a minor share, but came out of that preferred here just a week ago, very impressive. All right, three, seven, six, eight in race number six. Both Jim Freight and McWicket off the board. Seven, Dorsodaro Hanover finished second. Number six, always Prince. Could come from behind third for the Hall of Famer, Dave Miller and trainer Scott George. Three, seven, six, eight in race number six. We're going to take a timeout. When they come back, hopefully we'll have some more circle actions from the man Ace Barnsdale from the winner of the uh, the final for the uh, British Crown Open Ace American History, the four-year-old Tony Alanya trainer. Boy, Tony is just cleaning up in British Crown 2019. Yeah, post time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America in the USTA. We'll be back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Hey, racing fans. We all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike, are you a harness racing? trainer or driver? 
Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. We are back on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. We're broadcasting live from Woodbine Mohawk. We are joined by Garnet Barnsdale, Ashley Maylou, and Ace Barnsdale, who will uh, hopefully have some winner's circle reaction in just a moment. Let's take a look at the prices. American History wins at 12.10. You're exact at $80.40. So congratulations, Ashley, on that score. Your trifecta, $373.65. Uh, the Superfecta for a dollar, a good one, $3,077.80. And the winning pick three returns $24.25. And $3,890 left in that pick four, which had a pool of $141,000. You got $12,955 left, so a lot of money eliminated out of the first leg of the pick five. 
with the winner, American History. Let's flip the page, guys. Race number seven is coming up, and uh, doing a winner's circle presentation as uh, Tony Alanya is collecting some more hardware garnet. I mean, this guy is just cleaning up right now. He's, uh, you know, kind of, it's Tony Alanya's world here in this round 2019. We're just living in it. Yeah, they must have just renamed it the Alanya Crown this year. Uh, he's just on fire right now. And, uh, you know, uh, Joe Bongiorno gave that horse a perfect trip. I don't know if that's his first Breeders' Crown win or not. I guess we might find out here in the post-race interview. Race number seven is coming up, guys. It is the Breeders' Crown final for three-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters. And, uh, Ashley, let's make no mistake about it. I mean, this race revolves around the awesome green shoe with 10 of 12. And uh, when he has tasted the feet, it's been two seconds. And he pretty much uh, takes the same group to the woodshed time and time again. And he draws post position number four. He's been less than 15 cents on the dollar every single time. So the green shoe is obviously going to be a favorite once again. Yeah, I mean, he obviously demands respect on that five-race win streak. And like you said, look at him on the year. Look at him throughout his career. He's made over $1.2 million in his 16 races. I think, you know, you all saw him in the Hamiltonian. He just got beat that day by Forbidden Trade, who locally is going to be, you know, kind of the fan favorite, the Breeders' Crown being at Woodbine Mohawk this year. But, you know, he's kind of the lock of the day, even looking at the, the program. Uh, some of our friends, Emily Gaskin at Hoosier Park and Mark McCoy, here from Woodbine Mohawk Park. I mean, pick green shoe on top. He's obviously the best on paper. Obviously the best on paper as it is, but you know what? The race uh, isn't run on paper. It's run, you know, on the racetrack, and uh, so things can certainly happen throughout the course of a race. Uh, with that being said, um, once again, we always try to look for value as handicappers, and Ashley, um, you know, I mean, with with the high percentage second shoe wins and the fact that he's beaten this field time and time again, um, maybe it's better to seek value underneath. So if that was the case, where do we go? for a second and third here. Well, you know, you're looking at Green Shoe, right? Mark Lander. I mean, he's going to send out two others in here with Jim Panzi and Green Manalishi. I don't know, maybe for a Fleetwood Mac fan, you go with Green Manalishi. But Jim Panzi, I mean, he was very impressive at Batavia in the New York State Tire Stakes final in the elimination here. He was fourth, and he was closing very, very fast. If you look at that last quarter, it caught everyone's eye, 26 flat. And he was a crown winner last year. So I'd probably go to him out of the two other students from the Marcus Melander barn. But, you know, you could even make a case for Green Manalishi. Garden Marcus Melander is, in my opinion, as far as trot trainers is uh, concerned, is kind of taken over for Jimmy Factor, in my opinion. I mean, uh, you know, Jimmy Factor was dominant throughout the years, especially in the trotting ranks. And now you've got Marcus Melander, who's a young guy, not as young as a lot of people think he is, but he's young nonetheless. And uh, it just seems like, uh, you know, like a lot of college football dynasties or high school football dynasties. It just seems like it's not a matter of uh, rebuilding. It's just a matter of reloading. And it seems like over the past couple of years, Marcus continues to give these lines, these great trotters that continue to do good things. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Green Shoe certainly fits the bill as as a great trotter. I mean, the only race, uh, these last two races this year, both by a neck, one where he was hopelessly uh, on 
terrible cover miles behind that uh, I believe it was Pocono and uh, the second one is in the second uh, heat of the Meadowlands which he you know he was a little bit flat uh, right at the end of the mile but he definitely qualifies as a you know potential great horse if he's not already the one horse uh, I don't think anybody mentioned yet that I kind of caught my eye last week was don't let him he's had um he was very good early in his two-year-old season, and he's had a lot of gate issues since then. But you've seen his last two starts in the Kentucky Futurity. He closed from 10th to 2nd, uh, beating only two lengths by Greenshoe. And then last week, uh, the Annex Jingra didn't fool around at all. He put him right on the engine, uh, wired the field. It was a comfortable winner, 151-2, and two, Mike. That's not uh, – that's – that kind of a mile can play pretty big here, I think. I think, you know, for me, if anybody's going to upset Greenshoe, it might be don't let him. Because I, I think he'll probably be – he's probably going to get sent to the front and perhaps race in Greenshoe's pocket turning for home. So that would be the one I would look to upset. And I might take a swim on, uh, at 8-1. to one. Now, you do have an equipment change here on number nine, Super, Super Schissel, and this is uh, plastic to barefoot shoes, and uh, this is up front. Now, this is obviously from post 10. He's, he's uh, obviously a very big long shot, but uh, and we've talked about this time and time again, but maybe for some of our new listeners to the program here tonight, uh, where do we, when we talk about equipment adjustment and we talk about the equipment changes, which now the racetracks are doing, I think, a tremendous job of reporting. I mean, whether it's the, you know, the, the blinkers, the bridles, or, uh, you know, things like earplugs or things like shoes, when we talk about shoeing changes, I mean, how much stock as a handicapper do we put into equipment changes like this? Garnet, can you hear me? Barely. I think you're talking about equipment changes, Mike. Yeah, let's start where exactly we're talking about equipment changes right now. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I I believe you might have been talking about equipment changes, and I think it's an important thing to look at, um, especially from week to week, like going from elimination to a final. Um, not necessarily any specific changes, just that they're trying some trying to change something. Uh, sometimes it pays off, and sometimes it doesn't. Here we go, parade, Mike. Um, you might. Take us through it because we're not very well, so maybe you should just go through the thing. All right, let's go through this uh, post parade once again. Number one is Green Manalishi, three year old called by Muscle Hill, is uh, one of a trio of Marcus Milanda horses in this race. Green Manalishi finished third last time of the elimination, is uh, owned by Caronth Incorporated and uh, trained by Marcus Milanda. Tim Teachrick, the drivers, won half of his starts this year, has made $740,000. Of course, the Canadian Trotting Derby winner against Pilot Discretion and Smart as Hill makes up a big chunk of that change that he has made so far this year. Two is Don't Let Him. Three-year-old Colt by Hill is owned by Brittany Farms, Christina Thacker, John Fielding, Herb Liverman, trained by Nancy Johansson, Yannick Shingrau, the drive winner in his elimination uh, last time out at 7-2, and 151-3. Garnet talked about it. That's a pretty good mile, and uh, he does get a little bit of post improvement from post 5 to post 2 if you consider that a post improvement on that on the front end will probably be fully replaced here today. The three is Marseille on the Oka Swanstad and credited order of the stables and Howard Taylor. Oka Swanstad will drive and train. It was a big long shot here at 41. We'll obviously have to pick up his ball game. And then there is the big guys, so to speak, for Green Shirt. year old Colt by Father Pat, by Caronth Incorporated, and uh, Hans Beck and Lars Grothquist, Morton Langley, and the Marcus Milander, Brian Sears drives perhaps uh, one of the uh, better trotters 
uh, certainly that has come around in quite a long time. He's looking for a Breeders' Crown champion once again. Championship once again. Five chin, chin hall. You're building uh, Cash Hall, Robert Mobel, Conlon Hall, owned by Old Ford Racing, and Dave McMuffie, trained by Nifty Norman. Pete Wren is... On the butt in the bike, and uh, Chin Chin Hall was three of ten la- uh, last. Or actually, this year was uh, two of seven last year, and uh, Chin Chin Hall uh, second place finish in the Breeders' Crown to Don't Run. So uh, go ahead. Uh, actually, we're going to cut the post parade at half because there's still going to be a couple of minutes to post. So Garnet, if you want to uh, go ahead and queue up Nick, he's got dr- a leading, uh, or actually the winning driver of uh, the last race, Joe Bongiorno, winning driver of American history in the Breeders' Crown. So go ahead and take it away, guys. All right, back in the paddock with Joe Bongiorno, won the first Breeders' Crown race. What does it mean to win a race like this? You know, it's just, uh, you know, it's something I've never really even dreamt of. And, uh, you know, to have the opportunity, uh, I can't thank Tony and uh, and his owners enough for, you know, having faith in me to get the job done. And uh, Tony definitely had the horse ready, just like he's had the rest of the race week. Now, you're a New York mainstay. Uh, what kind of differences can you tell us about racing Yonkers, small track like Yonkers to a Provo like this? You know what, uh, you know, it was good that I got to actually go to Meadowlands like uh, two weekends ago or whatever it was, you know, just get back on the big track, get a feel for it again. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, you know, it's very similar to Meadowlands. Uh, Yonkers is kind of my home right now. That's where I race. And, uh, you know, but like I said, I'm just thankful to be here. What's it been like driving American history? Uh, it's a dream. You know, the horse is, he's definitely the fastest horse ever driven. A burst of speed that you know it's it's fun when you let him go it really is fun and uh, you kind of gotta you gotta try to rate him because if you let him get ahead of him he'll get a little careless. Thanks so much. I'll let you go grab a blanket. All right. Thank you very much. Back to you, Mike. All right. Thank you very much. I missed uh, driver Joe Bongiorno with American History in the Open Pace in race number six. Let's continue along with this post parade as we're just a couple of minutes away from a start for the British Crown Final. The three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters. Number six is Jim Pansy, again one of the trio. Uh, Marcus Milano horses in here. Fourth place finish in the Breeders' Crown. Three-year-old called by Chapter 7. Owned by Caronth Incorporated. SRF Stables. Uh, bred by Order by Stables. Uh, and David Miller will drive number six, Jim Pansy. Winner of 6 of 11. Was undefeated as a two-year-old. So it was certainly... No slouch here. Seven goes down smooth. Three-old gelding by Mussolini is on the Burke Racing. Bill Switala, James Martin, and Weaver Buscemi. Ron Burke trains. Matt Kaley drives a sixth-place finish last time in the British Crown Elimination. That off of a qualifier. Could step forward a little bit here today. But certainly has to uh, step up his ball game if he wants to share here. He is up uh, to 78-1. to one. Great is Forbidden Train. Three-year-old called Vine Cadabra is on by Determination. Trend by Luke Blay. Bob McCord is in the bike. This is a horse that is certainly a fan favorite and certainly has raced very well. He was uh, uh, a winner in the Ontario Sire Stakes Super Final, winner in the Ontario Sire Stakes Gold Final, both at heavy odds. And right now he is 8-1 to one on the board. Nine is Soul Strong. Three-year-old yelling by Father Patrick. Owned by Stable Why Not, bred by Al Lipfeld and Marvin Katz. Of course, big sponsors here at Breeders' Crown 2019. Trend by Oka Dexter Dunn is in the bite. This is one of two Oka Swamp horses in this race. Barely made the Breeders' Crown final with a fifth-place finish. And the moves outside the boots, so the 23-1 to odds certainly aren't going to help this cause. Number 10, Super Schissel, a shooting change here. Thrown is Al Lipfeld, Perry Sutherberg, trainer, Per Emblem, and we will drive for the 
round final for three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters. They're going for a purse of $655,000. And uh, let's see, it looks like Chin Chin Hall for a driver Pete Brent is still in the paddock, guys. So uh, this will allow us to take a real quick commercial timeout when we come back. We'll uh, have the three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trot final. Readers crowd as it presses on from Woodbine Mohawk. Post time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USTA. Back in a moment. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspire, is your home for daily thoroughbred horse racing conversation. Join host Jason Beam as he discusses racing from around the country, interviews jockeys, trainers, media personalities, and horse players every Monday through Friday. The show can be found at twinspires.com or on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspire. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. From the edge of your seat start to the white knuckle finishes. Horse racing is truly a ride unlike any other. One that the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association intends to preserve in the Keystone State for years and years to come. From our breeders to track operators to you, the fan. PHRA is here to bring everyone together for the benefit of the sport we love and the majestic athletes we adore. Learn more about the PHRA's mission at PennHorseRacing.com. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Southern Oaks has been the winter home of many great horses competing in several different stakes programs. It's home to leading trainers such as Irv Miller, John Shane, Eddie Lohmeyer, and Ian Moore, just to name a few. The farm is conveniently located within 45 minutes of both the Orlando Airport and Daytona Beach in sunny Florida. Southern Oaks, arguably the best training surface in all of Florida, has stalls for rent for the winter season. For more information, visit southernoakstraining.com. That's southernoakstraining.com. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Back on Post Time of Mike, presented by Bet America and the USTA. We're broadcasting live from the Breeders' Crown at Woodbine Mohawk. Mike Bozich back in the Post Time with Mike and Mike Studios, being joined on site live by Garnet Barnsdale, Ace Barnsdale, and 
and Ashley Maylou. And guys, we are just a couple of minutes away from a start. Chin Chin Hall was in the paddock. I'm not quite sure what that was all about, but uh, he's 40 to 1 on the board anyway. And the heavy 2 to 5 favorite right now is number 4, Green Shoe. And and uh, Garnet, once again, you kind of had a chance to see the horses on the racetrack because the countdown clock's been activated. Anything that you saw on the racetrack to kind of change your opinion of how this thing's going to unfold? No, yeah, trotters, I typically try and look to see if any of them are misbehaving, and I haven't really seen that. Uh, Green Shoes being a big gentleman, uh, that was, you know, that was one of the reasons why I went against him in the handball was uh, kind of manners, and he's just looked hot the whole time. But uh, right now, I can't say that there's anything, anything uh, that I did see, Mike. Ashley, how about you? I didn't see any bad behavior by any means, but, you know, I thought Jim Pansy, the more I look at the form, I, I like him from underneath. I think he can beat Green Shoe, but he looks great on the track, very alert, and just seems calm just taking in the surroundings. So, you know, it made more of a case for him. I don't think anyone, you know, I'm deterred from the way he acted in the all right, well, here we go. It's time for the Breeders' Crown Final. The three-year-old Colt and Gelding Trotters take aim at the starting vehicle and all eyes on Green Shoe at 1-2 to two on the board at the present. 5-1 to one on number two, don't let him. 6-1 to one on number six, Jim Panzi. Uh, and everybody else, with the exception of ain't forbidden trade, it ain't the one is double digits on the board. So here we go. It's a field of 10. The Breeders' Crown Final three-year-old Colton Gelding Trotters going first of $655,000 from Woodbine Mohawk. Here they come. They're off and trotting it. And Forbidden Trade is put into play early on from the outside. And so is Long Shot Soul Strong. And so is Super Shizzle's outside three-leave. And Chimpanzee is settling into fourth. They make their way towards the opening quarter. Don't let him is fifth. And Green Shoe got away sixth. We'll see what Sears does from here. They make their way towards that opening quarter. And up on the outside, crossing over to lead from the outside is Soul Strong. 33-1 to one, Forbidden Trade. Not going to sit there. Forbidden Trade right line by McClure moves right away up and around. Or is trying to get up on Forbidden Trade. Or so strong. Hasn't done so yet. Super Shell is by a length and a half. Manzi is in the fourth. In fifth position is Don't Green Shoe is tenth. With the sixth pole position, 26-4. For the opening quarter up the back stretch they go. Inside Marseille shoots the gap as this outer flow starts to develop here pretty quickly. Outside Green Manalishi. And it's Chin Chin Hall. And trailing the field goes down smooth. 56 and 2. There was a rating up top for Forbidden Trade. It was up by a length and a half as they round the turn. Soul Strong is second. Super Shizzles to the inside of an attacking Jim Panzi who drives up on the outside, fourth into third. Towards the inside, shuffled in is Marseille. Up on the outside, picking up cover and advancing now is Don't Let Him. A lot of work to do for favorite Green Shoe. It's about six lengths off the lead as they come to the top of the stretch. Forbidden Song on the inside, taken on by Jim Panzi as they straighten away for the stretch drive and Jim Pansy on the outside moves up. Jim Pansy takes the lead. Forbidden trades at the inside. Second, racing third is Soul Strong. The fog is certainly picked up. Outside, Super Shizzle is dropping back and time's running out for Green Shoe as Jim Pansy scampers away. Jim Pansy by three. Soul Strong, Green Shoe is coming determinedly, but it's much too late. Jim Pansy wins the Breeders' Crown. Green Shoe is up for second over Soul Strong and Chin Chin Hole finished fourth the final time 152 and 3 
for the winner, Jim Panzi. And guys, this was just a race that absolutely got away from Greenshoe. Yeah, I kind of think so. I don't, I don't. I don't think he wanted to be third over necessarily, but uh, full marks to Jim Penzi and uh, Ashley called Jim Penzi. She's been on fire tonight. Uh, he did race pretty big last week, and I thought I hit the try. I thought I had Soul Strong, who I bet last week. He didn't show much, and apparently I didn't use Soul Strong. This was a race that just seemed to me to just strip out of range students. I mean, I mean, not to throw a pun in there, but uh, but Ashley was just. I don't know. It just it seemed like the, the green shoe just obviously did not get involved as early as he wanted to. But um, and I don't want to say that the horse kind of you know sleepwalked through this thing, but uh, just the race that got away from him. It definitely did. I mean, he was much further back than he usually is, and it was kind of just a weird race in general. Garn and I, while we were muted, were talking about coming for home. It just started looked very well. It looked like the rain came down really hard. He had a couple of horses go off stride in the stretch. And, I mean, Green Chew, he, he really played. He still ran a great race. But Jim Panzi, I, mean, I liked him coming out of the elimination with that final panel in 26 flat. And he, he showed that all go. So, you know, he gets to shine a little bit more than a stable mate today. Hey, Nick. I think I think it's important, Mike, to look at the internal fractions. The middle half was almost was 58 and four, and if you're trying to come from third over, especially with a horse breaking in front of you on the last turn, then they come 27. That's almost mission impossible for Green Shoe. Probably trotted a final quarter in about 26 and one in a rainstorm. So, um, you know, absolute credit credit to both. I mean, uh, you know, sometimes races just the way you think or. And it did obviously didn't go his way, but you got to give big credit to Jim Penzie and value for the win. No question about it. I mean, this was just a race that just it was it was a very weird event. I mean, you had the you had the rainstorm right in the middle of the race, and uh, it just it seemed like it just got away from Greenshoe. I mean, he was obviously you know trotting a, a storm in the end, but the Jim Penzie and you got to give credit to Dave Miller. I think he moved at the right time. He got the jump on him at the right time and. And uh, that's how it happened. So six, four, nine, and five. How about the Oka Swans that charged so strong, guys? Third start off the qualifier. I mean, really didn't kind of throw any hints in, but I thought raced pretty well at thirty-three to one. That'll certainly liven up the trifecta. So uh, we're going to uh, we're going to take a quick time out. We'll uh, talk to try to dissect this thing when we come back. We've got first time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USDA Jim Panzee. The winner of the three-year-old Colton Gelding for your scrounge trot back in a moment. Whitback Farm yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. The 2019 lineup features siblings of rich performers and first foals from productive families. In 2019, Whitback Farm is selling yearlings at Goshen on September 8th, the Ohio Selected Sale on September 13th, on gate September 18th through the 21st, Lexington October 1st through the 5th, London October 19th and 20th, Harrisburg November 4th through the 6th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 7th and eighth. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's winbackfarm.com. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspire, is your home for daily thoroughbred horse racing conversation. Join host Jason Beam as he discusses racing from around the country, interviews jockeys, trainers, 
media personalities, and horse players every Monday through Friday. The show can be found at Twinspires.com or on iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from. The Jason Beam Horse Racing Podcast, brought to you by Twinspires. has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. bit of a surprise here in the British Crown Final for three-year-old Colt Dan Gelding Trotters as Jim Panzee takes care of business and uh, kind of uh, relives what he did at two. And guys, this was a horse that was undefeated as a three-year-old. Perfect nine for nine, won $591,000. And uh, I'll tell you what, he really, I thought, raced well today. I still have to say that I thought Green Shoe was the best horse. The prices are up. We'll take a look at those in a moment. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we just talked about it. I mean, it just looked like the race got away from Green Shoe, and uh, Dave Miller, I think, kind of proved guys why he's a Hall of Famer because he got the jump on uh, his stable mate and was able to get the job done here at Garnet. Yeah, Garnet stepped away for a second, but, you know, looking at Jan Z, he was even strong this summer up in New York at Batavia and Yonkers, and he kind of, I don't want to say he cooled off, but slightly he cooled off a little bit and just had to face Green Shoe time and time out at the Red Mile and fourth in the elimination. Like we keep on talking about he was impressive there, and then, you know, he gets to win today, and he, he, he raced amazing. Of course, that was the voice of Ashley Mayhew. Now, Ashley, listen, you've um... – I haven't really had a whole lot of chance to talk. I mean, I know you've been on the air with Carter a few times, but haven't really been on the air with me the whole time. So, uh, you know, while we've got a few minutes, while we're waiting for uh, Ace Barnsdale to get an interview, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of where you came from, to what you're doing right now in the sport of uh, not only harness but thoroughbred racing. Yeah, yeah, obviously my forte is probably thoroughbreds. You know, doing the paddock analyst for the last two years at Fortier has been a lot of fun. And I've had some other opportunities, especially within the Stronic group at Laurel Park and at Pimlico. But actually my tie to harness racing, uh, recently it's kind of sad my aunt passed away, but she groomed big time for Alan and Jean Regal, and she traveled all over the place. I actually got to go to the Red Mile a few times, and that was her, her favorite place to go. But it's kind of it's kind of bittersweet to be here this weekend, knowing that she passed just about two weeks ago. Um, when a couple couple times ago, when the Breeders' Crown was here at Mohawk, her biggest horse, her two-year-old filly Pacer Take Light, did win the Breeders' Crown here. So it's, it's you know it's bittersweet to be back here, but also it's it's really amazing. So there's certainly something special for you now. You obviously handicap thoroughbred racing and you handicap harness racing. What do you think's the biggest difference kind of between the two uh, when you hand it, when you attack it from a handicapping point of view? 
Well, it's kind of interesting. You know, these harness horses are racing week in and week out, and you don't see that often with the thoroughbreds. And when you see horses return quick, it's kind of a concern. Where here, it's more of a concern if they've had two weeks off. So I, I think the angles are a little different. And when you get on this, this big scale of these sorts of races or grand circuit, when you have these eliminations, I think sometimes, you know, Obviously, if you look at the Jan Z, that final quarter mattered, and he was only fourth, but he was flying late. But we saw earlier, it's, it's kind of a different angle, too, seeing these forces that barely make the final, but then they really come alive. So there's, I think it's a very different breed, obviously, and to handicap the races, it's totally different as well. Yeah, and of course, you don't really have, well, I guess you do, I mean, in a sense, the eliminations, I mean, you've got the win and you're in the Breeders' Cup, but certainly not to the extent of harness racing, and obviously in harness racing, post positions, I think, mean a lot more than thoroughbreds, although I guess at certain distances and certain courses, I guess post positions could play a part, uh, or more a part than they would normally in thoroughbreds, right? Yeah, definitely. As soon as I finished talking the first time, that's what I was thinking. Post position makes a complete difference. I mean, depending on what type of horse you have, too, especially if you're sprinting or you don't have uh, a long way to the turn, do you want to be on the outside if you don't have a horse speed and vice versa? You have to think about that a little bit more. Here, though, I mean, you're going a mile, so it, it doesn't matter much. But from my experience, I've actually, you know, I've even a mutual teller for a little bit at Dayton Raceway, seeing how these tracks are, they're different banks, right? And and how the horses, where the gate is set up, if you're the nine or the 10, where you're actually running from the first or the second line, uh, it definitely makes a difference. So post position is a big game changer in either breed, but definitely with the standard breads. So let's talk about kind of you personally, like the end game for you. Like where do you see yourself in the sport of horse racing? Where do you want to uh a difficult question to answer I you know I love being an analyst but at the end of the day I'd like to maybe get more on the business side because I think you know promoting the sport is a huge thing that we need and some tracks do it very well and they make it family oriented and some people try to appeal to different masses and anything I can do to promote the sport I think some of these tracks um, they do very very well at another struggle but at the end of the day, I just am passionate about the game. For me, I think this is always going to be a passion. I'm not sure it'll ever transpire to be a full-time career. But as I always say, I'm just a girl that likes to talk horses. And this sport has introduced me to a lot of things. And it's kind of led me to where I am today in a weird way. Um, because my dad took me to the track as a kid. I wanted to go to school in Lexington, Kentucky. So that's where I went to college. And from there, it's got me where I am outside of racing and inside of racing. Okay, buddy. You can't hear him at all. I don't know what's going on. All right, let's. Okay, so you guys can hear me now, right? Just making sure. Yeah, we're good now. Okay, good. So, Ashley, what, what I was going to ask you before we uh, kind of get back to our regularly scheduled programming and start talking about 
race number eight, which features the great Bold Eagle. But uh, as far as marketing the sport, now obviously you're a young person, so I think you can kind of relate more to what younger people maybe want in terms of entertainment. So what do you think we what do you think we can do? I mean, harness and thoroughbred racing kind of together in this boat. What do you think we can do to market the sport going forward to try to get some of these younger people involved, maybe not only from a wagering point of view, but from, you know, maybe trying to own a horse or two point of view? What, where do you think we can go? It's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a tough question to answer, right, because I like to come to the track because I, I like to watch the horses and I, I like to gamble. I will be the first person to admit that. But I, I think from what I've seen at other tracks, how do you get someone in the door? and then introduce them to the sport. So when I look at Laurel Park and Pimlico, they do a lot of concerts and things like that with their clubhouse fest for the bigger days of racing. It does draw a crowd. Um, I just think it's the biggest goal is just to get people to the track and then educate them. So in any way that we can get them here with other promotions or entertainment as far as music and things of that nature, that's a good start. And then hopefully we can begin the education process. All right, very good. Well, uh, good to have this little chat with you, Ashley. And, and Garnet, listen, we love to talk with the young people about things that we can do because, you know, obviously us kind of old geezers, you know, Garnet, we obviously don't have the answers a lot of times, right? Well, uh, we think we do, but we don't always know. And we get them young, and especially uh, from the technology standpoint, which I'm really terrible at, as you can probably tell by now. So, uh, yeah, it's good to have a young, fresh job. I guess as you would say. All right. Well, let's guys, let's get along to let's get along to race number eight. We got a post parade to do. They're already stepping onto the racetrack. It is the three-year-old Colton Gelding final, the Breeders' Crown. It is for the pace. Uh, Seven hundred eighty-six thousand dollars is the purse. I'll start with the one. Garnet can go with two, and Ashley can take three, and we'll go so forth. We'll start with Southwind Ozzy, and here's a guy that has really been impressive in some of his races. Coming off a qualifier, a good second-place finish to Better's Wish last time. Uh, was used, rushed to the top, was a clear second. Close to home in 26-4, and four, certainly nothing wrong with the elimination. Draws the inside. Uh, Brian Sears trainer Bill McKenzie, this is obviously a player with over $800,000 in the bank. He is currently 6-1 to one right now, which in my opinion is very, very Captain Crunch gets a driver change here. Uh, Scott's here on drum to a win in the North America Cup on this racetrack, but he hasn't had a win in his last five starts. He's decided to change driver. He's a winner of 900000 this year, five wins. Only third last week in his elimination, kind of dull first over, owned by three brothers stables, Christina Tactor, Rohan Stables, trained by Nancy Johansson, and one, as a, also already noted, driven by Yannick Schinkot tonight. The three covered bridge by David Smith and James Giuzuni, trained by Blake McIntosh and driven by James McDonald. Uh, Blake actually recently took over the training job for this one, was New York based, and they want to give this horse the opportunity to race in the Breeders' Crown. He was a winner on the Grand Circuit last year. He took a division of the Grass Stakes, and he did win on October 12th. Number four is a three year old called by Sweet Lou named Dancing Lou on the Dave Cryway. 
Numbers of Ontario trained by Tawny Camilleri, Andy McCarthy, who has just been red hot of the Breeders' Crown 2019 so far. He was the winner, closing home in 25-4. and four. And uh, Ashley and I just talked about how it seemed like these big last quarters are starting to, uh, you know, kind of come into play here. Uh, as far as your handicapping goes, so far in the Breeders' Crown right now, Dancing Moon is currently 5-2 on the board. Five betters wish uh, has probably been the top Colts all year. Wins four, six, and sixteen starts, maybe almost one point four million. I'm a little surprised, Mike, that he's ninth to five right now. Which, after going off confidence in his elimination and winning easily, he is owned by Christopher Ryder, trained by Ryder, uh, all some partners, better wish stable, and uh, Bella Racing stable, driven by Red Hot Dexter Dunn. I, I really don't think this horse is going to go off at eight to five. These even money by post time. The winner of the Midland Chase is the sixth best in show, owned by Richard Young and Joanne Young, trained by Linda Toscano, Bob McClure with the drop. This one with a final quarter in the elimination of 25-3, was second, had the eight that day. But this one often finds himself to the bridesmaid and the runner-up with seven runner-up pushes this season alone. Number seven is semi-tough. Three old gelding by Sunbeat Summer on by Burke Racing, Frank Valdicino, Jerry and Teresa Silver, Pennell and Libby, Weaver, Brusemi, Dave Miller will drive. This is a horse that I thought raced okay to even in the Breeders' Crown elimination, but really hasn't had a board appearance in the Tattersalls, the Jug Final, uh, the Jug Elimination, the Bluegrass. So obviously he's going to have to pick up his ball game, and he doesn't look good. He's one for 19, one of 12, and the odds show it, guys, right now, 55 to 1. The eighth fixed idea, currently 99 to 1, owned by Chris Nickel, trained by Todd Clements, and driven tonight by Randy Waples. Fixed idea is an interesting horse for me here. Um, he never misses the top four, as you notice, and uh, he could, if he sits an inside trip and comes in the stretch, he's an excellent closer. This horse could sneak onto your tri uh, super fact at 99 to 1 and make it pay something. The nine Bronx Fielster. Owned by Lard Racing, Bruce Goldsby, Alan Weisenberg, and Stephen Klonowski. Trained by Renee Allard and driven by Simon Allard. He's a new addition to the Allard barn. And, you know, they actually purchased him privately. Strong two-year-old, but as a three-year-old, only has one win and was fifth in the elimination. Is uh, number 10, D. Los Cielos down by Burke Racing, Larry Cohen, Jerry and Teresa Silver, Penelope Moody, Weaver, Brusemi, and Ron Burke Trainee in here. This is the second Ron Burke Trainee in here. This is a horse actually really started his two year old career very well. Five and ten for $200,000. Just simply hasn't repeated it, guys. He's one of 15, $79,000 earned, finished fourth in the Breeders' Crown. Obviously, the talent is there. But uh, I'll tell you what, from post Bennett, it's been a lot to uh, turn it around here tonight. He's 92-1 to 1 right now on the board. And that's a look at the Breeders' Crown Final for the three-year-old Colt and the Gelding Pacers. And 6-5 to five right now on five betters wish. So Garnet, he is starting to go down in the wagering. Uh, and he's been a stout favorite the last four starts. And he has kind of kicked everybody's butts the last four starts. Does it happen again on a night that he's been, let's face it, it's been kind of weird in, in a sense. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about the butt kicking. I mean, Danson Lou, although he got a dream uh, dream run up the inside when the sea kind of parted uh, last week, absolutely motored home at one equally. So uh, he's 7-2, to two and he's got uh, Andrew McCarthy on him who's been winning everything here. So he's a horse to watch. The Captain Crunch was Jinger on the driver change. 
uh, Brian Sears of South Winnazi, who in, uh, who uh, coincidentally didn't look too happy when he went by here in the post parade after losing that race with Greenshaw. I kind of don't blame him. And, uh, Better's Wish, who uh, you know might have tipped his hand at a, a bigger miles coming with his 25 and three last quarter last week. So I, you know, Better's, uh, I'm sorry, Best in Show, but Better's Wish was my top pick. But I, I'm not really expecting a butt kicking. I think this could be a pretty good race. Yeah, I think so, too. And uh, this is uh, one of those races, I think, where, you know, you, you see these three-year-olds go out, uh, go through the year and mature. And obviously, Better's Wish has on that from earlier in the year to now, where he's become pretty dominant, $1.3 million. I mean, maybe not dominant in the sense of how many races, I mean, how many lengths he has by. But actually, I mean, he's won his last four races. And, uh, you know, he's done so in different styles. He's got it on the lead. He's got it on covered. He's Done it just in a lot of different ways, and I think that's good for uh, trainer Chris Ryder and driver Dexter Dunn. It gives Dexter some possibilities, but obviously, Ashley, I turn to you because you're, I think, out of everybody, I think you are the value player of the group, and you kind of look for long shots. If you're looking for something in double digits, where do we go? Uh, I don't know about double digits. I'll give you close to the double digits. Best in show, we know he doesn't like to win. He hasn't won a race since the Meadowlands pace, but He's always in the hunt. He's always pursuing. And, you know, we looked at these, we keep on talking about the eliminations and, you know, these horses that barely make it or they make it with a, a really strong final quarter. And he's one of them. We're talking 25 and three. He had a bad post that day, you know, breaking from the eight hole. So I, I like him. He just often doesn't get the job done. So he's, he might have a tough time endorsing on top. Uh, if I'm looking on top, I, I, you know, I have to go with Better's Wish, but Captain Crunch is, He's a little inconsistent. He's kind of cooled off a little bit since the cane pace, but he's another one that's always there. And if you look at him, he has—he's you know hasn't won since early August. But when he won the Pepsi North America Cup, the time was it was wickedly fast, 147 and two. So there's a lot to like about seeing him back here at Woodbine Hawk Park. And interestingly enough, he wasn't impressive in his elimination for that event. So he's a horse that I don't think, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to win his eliminations. He just has to get the job done. They had some issues in that elimination. He's coming into this one with a third in the elimination. So, you know, seven to two is a little bit better than even money. But double digits underneath, I'm, I'm going to have to go then to best in show. All right, best in show right now. He's nine to one on the board for Linda Toscano and a driver, Bob McClure. And uh, I'll tell you what, Garnet, Bob McClure in – you know, you, you've watched Bob McClure kind of develop throughout his career, and, and let's be perfectly honest. I mean, Bob McClure kind of had the reputation of being a really good B driver, but I'll tell you what, I would say last year and this year, he has really kind of changed those opinions and silenced critics, hasn't he? He certainly has, and, uh, you know, he's been uh... – He's been tasked with big responsibility being uh, given basically all of the determination horses to race. And, you know, it's easy to say he's got the stock, but uh, you still got to be able to drive him properly to, uh, you know, to earn what they're supposed to earn. I mean, determination spends millions of dollars every year at the sale. So um, he's been tasked with, uh, you know, big responsibility for that stable. And he's certainly delivered. I mean, he delivered a Hamiltonian winner. What You know, it doesn't get any better than that. And uh, to be able to, you know, be that cool under pressure, uh, both in the Hamiltonian elimination and the final that day, uh, really shows you something. And man, is it raining here, Mike? Yeah, it seems like it right now on the screen. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is not making it a, an easy thing to call off the screen right now. And I just kind of hope that the track stays in effect. You know, one of those races, 
and Garnet the Trackus was not working, by the way. That kind of hurt a little bit. I had to wait. Also, also, yeah, I, yeah, Trackus is good. Um, interesting, uh, the starting gate just pulled up and, and uh, picked up a pylon that was in the middle of the track. So I don't know if those are getting blown off by the wind now, which is a little, uh, you know, that's going to be not good because horses are easily spooked, especially if you see a white thing flying at you through the air, right? So uh, it's, it's windy and rainy and kind of crappy here right now for weather, but uh, we still got two Breeders' Crown races left to race, so let's go. All right, three-year Colton Gelling Pace is getting set to go. $786,000 is the purse, a full field of 10. Uh, once again, six to five on five, better's wish. We knew he would obviously end up to be the favorite when it was all said and done, and he will be. Three to one on two, Captain Crunch. Four to one on four, Dancing Lou. And nine to one on six, Ashley May lose kind of long shot. Best in show, who... Came home at 25 and 3 last quarter and is driven by Bob McClure. We just talked about Bob McClure for uh, trainer Linda Toscano. But obviously, the, the weather conditions have uh, taken a turn for the worse for the last couple of British crowd races here at uh, Woodbine Mohawk. Uh, Garnet, let's talk about the, uh, the staff at Woodbine Mohawk. I mean, you want to talk about some hardworking guys Chad Rosema, uh, Mark McKelvey, Jason Portuando, a lot of the guys. Uh, they're just, I mean, really worked their rear ends off, and, and uh, I'll tell you what, they've made, I think, for a tremendous Breeders' Crown. They make for a tremendous race season throughout, and, you know, it was just, what, a year or two ago that full-time racing actually did switch to Mohawk from Woodbine in the tunnel. Yeah, and it's uh, they've done really well here. Uh, there was a few naysayers locally, but uh, handles have been up, I believe, fifteen percent in the first year. And uh, absolutely, we should definitely thank Mark McKelvey, who's got us set up here, and he checked in to make sure that everything's good for us a few times. Uh, supplied us with a table here, sort of out of the weather, which is great, and uh, gave us everything we need. And yeah, Chad, Jason, uh, we got Greg Blanchard here tonight from Western Ferry. Can't come up with a much better crew than that, and uh, we've been treated great here. So obviously, we like to say thanks to all of them. And one more thing that we want to portray in the public for the start of this race, uh, adding blinkers to number two, Captain Crunch, here tonight. That's uh, one of the equipment changes here, and uh, we'll have to see, uh, Garnet, how that can play out. Adding blinkers, I think, means he's blasting. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure that means uh, Jingra's sending him, so... This race could get a little Western early. So, uh, you know, it could set up for, uh, you know, best in show who's currently sitting at 9-1 to one on the board or, or maybe Southwind Ozzy who probably figures to be coming from out of it a little bit. So it could be pretty interesting. This is the second time they've turned the horses off the gate, Mike, and I'm not really 100% sure why. It looked like they were going to line up and start, and they're all uh, they're all walking away from the gate, so basically walking in the backstretch, and it's another pylon in the middle of the track rolling down Holy the track. Moly. And Did yeah, and it's, it, it's obviously the wind here, guys. It's obviously the wind because uh, they just showed it on the television I monitor. Think, and uh, yeah, I mean the wind uh, obviously is is uh, has picked up here. I think this could be a buzzworthy column. Is are the are pylons the answer or something like that? Or uh, I don't know. I got to come up with a catchy <laughs> title. But pylons blowing around or is it causing delays is not good. Are we back to the hub rail, guys? Are we back to the hub rail? Come on. I mean, really? Oh no, never, never going to go back to that. But I mean, obviously this is a rarity. But um, you know, I, I guess these things are supposed to come out of the ground if you hit them. But I guess also, 
you would think they could be held in a little bit better uh, that the wind's not going to just come out and blow them down the track. So here we go again. They're turning in again. Mike, I'll turn it over to you and uh, see what happens here. All right. Well, uh, real quick, I hope hope Ashley's still there because uh, I've, I've been seeing this thing in thoroughbred racing, Ashley, about uh, – I, I don't know. I, I guess it's overseas right now, maybe in Australia about this collapsible rail. Have you seen anything about that or watched any videos about that? I've seen it, and that's always like a safety thing, right? They're trying to improve it. I don't know too much about it, but I've seen it in some of the races. And I think both both breeds, it's always something they're working on, right? It's trying to improve the safety. So it's a good idea. I don't know how long it'll take to, you know, bring over here. All right. Well, this, uh, obviously, they are... uh, crawling to the gate here again guys so this is uh obviously a little bit of a weather issue race parade is coming up seven hundred and eighty six thousand dollars the purse it is the breeders crown for three-year-old colt and gelding paces and uh we've kind of talked this race to death so hopefully they will get started here in just a moment they continue to turn and uh one-to-one right now on five betters wish so the more the time goes on betters wish continues to take more money through the wagering win- windows. Uh, three to one on two, Captain Crunch, five one right now on one south one. He's actually fourth favorite, four to one on four, Dance and Lou, and nine to one on six, Bethan Shows. So uh, I guess, Garnet, if you got any good jokes, uh, this would be probably a good time to, to tell one. Yeah, the horses are still walking around. Uh, there was a funny tweet. Um, Ash just showed me uh, Pylon Man is greater than Goose Man. I guess uh, Goose made some guy chases the geese away when they're affecting races. But uh, why don't we bring Ace in for his uh, prediction on this race? He looks a little cold, but uh, here, here he comes. Get him in. Get him in. Get him in. I am person I do not need. Um, this, is a, this is a really tough race, and uh, there's a lot of value, I think, on the board. I think a lot of them are uh, just about where they should be. Uh, Southwind Aussie 5-1, Cats and Cards 3-1, even money on Better's Wish 4-1, Dance and Lou. I mean... Um, if you like a long shot, this might be the race too, because the others are pretty high. But um, for this race, I think anything can happen. I might take a shot on the Aussie if it's odd strip northward a little bit. That's the jug winner, and uh, six or six or more to one on a jug winner in a British Crown race is probably pretty rare. Guys, the reason for the uh, third delay was there was another pylon, so obviously the wind has picked up here, and uh, and they're just they're not replacing them at this point. They're just taking them off the track. And no, actually, they are replacing them. Okay, so. And they're trying to show it, and the, and the backstretch camera is actually quite shaky right now. So this is uh, obviously a weather situation. And, uh, you know, last night's Breeders' Crown ended with some controversy. Darn, I didn't see eye to eye on that disqualification, by the way. But We didn't? Mm-mm. Really, eh? You thought we should have stayed up? I, I've seen worse. All okay. I can say is I mean, I've I, seen worse. As usual, with almost every disqualification, I've seen about 50-50. Uh, the horse should have came down. The horse should have stayed up, it's, which is, happens almost every time. Uh, I don't know. I, I've seen worse, too. But I think if you uh, if I'm driving beside you in a, in a vehicle and you put your wheel into my wheel, I think it's going to affect my momentum. That's that's my uh, look outlook on it, I guess. <laughs> I, th- I think you've done that to, uh, to me before, by the way, Karen. On the, on the road, <laughs> quite but, uh, possible. Quite, 
Anyway. Well, uh, they I'll tell you what, this countdown ready. clock, this is, this is about the fourth or fifth time this countdown clock's been activated. So if it's working the countdown clock, it should be getting some overtime pay because uh, this it's about the fourth or fifth time this roll down to zero. And uh, I think we're actually set together, guys. All right, here we go. They are really making, really making their way to the starting gate for the Breeders' Ground Final, the three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pace, going for a purse of $786,000. One-to-one right now on number five, Better's Wish. Two-to-one on number two, Captain Crunch. Four-to-one on four, Hanson Lou. Five-to-one out of one, Southwind Ozzy. And nine-to-one on six, Best in Show. And fun at the old ballpark here at the Breeders' Crowd as we are set to go. Three-year-old Colt and Gelding Pacers, front and center, as the weather is rapidly deteriorated from Woodbine Mohawk. Here they come. They're often pacing. Splashing out of there first was Captain Crunch from the inside. From the outside, semi-tough at Big Odds moves up and semi-tough with a big burst ambition at Big Odds takes the lead. We'll cross over before the turn. Captain Crunch is second to make the way around the bend and caught out wide here is Better's Wish, but he is advancing up now into third towards the inside. Coming away fourth, Southwind Ozzy. And Southwind Ozzy might yield a spot to Dance and Lou and Will in their approach to the opening quarter. We're going to go back to the top. We're up on the outside, crossing over Captain Captain Crunch now takes the lead. So Captain Crunch handled aggressively here in the early stages. Is up by a length on semi-tough. Better's Wish is brushing out of third now. Danson Lou is fourth by two. South Wenazi is fifth to quarter in 26 and two. Once again, sight saving old types of ground is fixed idea. One of the outside covered bridge. And he's going to be involved in a crowded outer flow. Towards the inside is Bronx Seals. Their best show is caught with excess cover at this point in time. And the trailer is the Los Cielos Deo. So Better's Wish has the lead by a length. Captain Crunch is right there, second with semi-tough, right there, third and mode of the outside. Dancing Lou, they got the happen 55 and two, so it was a rating up top. And Better's Wish has the lead, controls his own destiny. Captain Crunch is second. Towards the inside, semi-tough starts the gap third. Outside, Dancing Lou makes mild headway fourth. Up into third now, three lengths off the lead. Top of the stretch, Better's Wish. Captain Crunch is right there, biting time, three quarters, 123. They straighten away. Better's Wish by two. Captain Crunch is out for the drive, second. Outside trying to come third. Comes Dancing Lou inside fourth semi-tough is seating ground and Better's Wish has gotten away. Leads it by three, but now kicking in. Here's Dancing Lou and he's gaining determinedly. Inside it's Better's Wish. Outside Dancing Lou flying. Dancing Lou's got him. Dancing Lou gives McCarthy another Breeders' Crown title. It was Dancing Lou over Better's Wish and Captain Crunch in 150 and two. And once again, Andy McCarthy is just having a breeder's crown of his lifetime. Danson Lou, who closed from well out of the clouds last time, to come home in 25 and 4. Ashley does so once again, maybe not quite 25 and 4, but certainly well enough to win. And the scoring at odds of 5 to 1. Yeah, we didn't talk about him too much, but he's a horse that progressively swam in the deeper waters and, and performed well and showed that he deserved a chance. In this race, I mean, you look at his races in Kentucky and the Kentucky Stakes. He won a few in a row, and then he had to see had a trouble trip in the final 
but he's gotten better and better as a three-year-old, so very impressive, and he just got his 11th win in his 18th start this year. And that's the thing here, Ashley. You know, you talk about a harness horse that is one ten of 17. I'm going to tell you, if you, uh, you know, win 10 of 17 at this particular level, you're going to be well north of a million, but he's only one ten of 17 for 268,000, so he has it, especially early on in his three-year-old campaign, Based to suffer horses, but once again, a horse that has gotten progressively better, and another horse that kind of fits the mold of, you know what, a good last quarter in the elimination pays off and pays dividends in the final. Yeah, I think a horse that's just matured the older he's gotten. I mean, look at him last year. He had one win from 10 starts and never hit the board other than that. So, you know, maybe he took a little bit more to develop. So he's going to be an interesting one to see how he matures into an older horse next year. Yeah, and that switch from three to four, and we talked to a lot of trainers on this program, that switch from three to four, I'm not so sure how it's been thoroughbreds, but that switch from three to four in horns is, uh, is a big, big switch because then you're forced to, you know, kind of face up the competition. But anyway, four dance and five, what are five betters wish? Three to five, second to Captain Crunch, four to one third, and the most yellow sale will spice up the super a little bit. And 99 to one finished fourth, so it's four, five, two, ten. Andy McCarthy has been, uh, boy, I'll tell you what, he's called that winner's circle home so far in the Breeders' Crown as he gets the job done. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we'll uh, have Ace, Ace Barnsdale. I'm sure he'll be able to wrap up, get an interview with us, and we'll talk about race number nine which is coming up next, featuring the great Old Eagle. The Breeders' Crown final open for Trotters. We've got first time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Back in just a moment. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat.
Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than BetAmerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign-up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's It's that that easy. easy. Sign up today at BetAmerica.com. Post-time, gates moving. They're off and it is on. Every year, the Harness Horse Youth Foundation travels the country to share the love of harness racing with the next generation. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation educates, introducing youth to new friends and opportunities. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Learn how you can support bringing kids and horses together, building a stronger future for the sport. Visit hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a lift chair or scooter to help with your mobility needs? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application or contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. If eligible, you may receive funding. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer or driver? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2018 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2019 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through November 30th. For the drivers and trainers that are currently participating in the challenge and donate $100, they will receive a Pacing for the Cure long sleeve t-shirt or baseball cap. For a $250 donation, the driver or trainer will receive two tickets to the annual party. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers and trainers. Back on post time, Mike and Mike presented by Bet America and the USDA broadcasting live from the Breeders' Crown Woodbine Mohawk Park. Mike Bozich along with Garnet Barnsdale, Ashley Maylou, and Ace Barnsdale. And how about Bessin Lou? A well timed move by Andy McCarthy to get the job done. And uh, Garnet, you mentioned trainer Tony Camilleri, and she uh, was absolutely screaming at the top of her lungs down the stretch to get the answer new home. And uh, Listen, we've all started a time or two trying to win that sprint home, and uh, I guess he did. Hey, listen, uh, it wasn't quite as loud as me for Atlanta in the Hamiltonian, but it came close. And uh, she's just beside herself in the winner's circle, which makes me, I think if we can get her for the interview, we just fire her because this is going to be the best interview of the night, so his job might be on the line here. All right, we're going to try to get Ace Barnes there with Tony Camilleri, and, uh, you know, you love to see that emotion in the sport of harness racing. I mean, uh, a lot of times you don't, you, you kind of don't see it because a lot of times, I mean, trainer Ron Burke's won them all. Trainer Tony Alani's won them all. I mean, you, you know, you got a lot of trainers that have won them all uh, on a consistent basis. So to see somebody that hasn't won them all have a chance to win a Breeders' Crown Championship, that's, you know, it's a special thing. Yeah, especially, I mean, she won 
lawyer and gave up her law practice to be to train horses. She loved it. She loved it that much. And uh, you don't often see people make that kind of a career change, especially, you know, I mean, most people that are lawyers have a pretty lucrative deal going, I would think. And uh, she gave up to train horses. And uh, I believe this is her first trek across the ocean to America. And that's one heck of a story. And as noted, um, you know, as I noted before the race, despite the fact he got a, a dream run up inside, he didn't get his nose up last week. He was well in front. Uh, he made a tremendous burst right at the end of the race, exactly the way he did it tonight. So this is a this is a horse to watch. He's really come into his own in the last month and a half. And Ashley, uh, let's bring you in here. Randy McCarthy is just on. Uh, he's. I'll tell you what. He's having a dream breeding this crown 2019. Yet another win here with Dance and Lou. Um, you know, just, I mean, just, well, I mean, I'll tell you what, you know, you see baseball players and you see football players in regular sports find their stride and just, you know, get into that groove and get into that rhythm. And I always think about drivers and jockeys, if they do that same thing, if they're, uh, you know, if they're hotter at times than they are others. And uh, I think maybe we could be seeing that here with Andy McCarthy with the Breeders' Crown 2019 that he has had. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, look at, like, I'm a big hockey fan as well, right? You see the momentum shift in a game where they score a goal and shortly after they'll they'll double up and score another. And it's been fun to watch the last two nights because he's been positional in his drives. But something else I noticed yesterday, even in, like, the post-race interviews, he's just excited to be here to be performing at this level. So, you know, you can tell that he's genuinely uh, honored and blessed to have these horses that he's driving. Yeah, no question about it. Andy's a great guy. I have a chance. I pretty much see him every day at Harris Philly, and uh, just one of the great, great guys in this industry, great, great guys in this sport, friend of the program, has been on this program an awful lot, and um, it's really good to see Andy McCarthy just having a good run of it. All right, race number nine is coming up. Of course, Ace Barnsdale will uh, will probably get Connie Camilleri on the show here coming up, but... uh, all lines on the next one, Garnet, and uh, we may run out of time here, but it does carry over to the archives, so we will carry this race for you uh, here on First Time with Mike and Mike. And, uh, you know, obviously all eyes here on Bold Eagle. I mean, it opens up at 8 to 5, the international sensation that, uh, you know, kind of I think the world's been kind of watching, and uh, he makes his North American debut here today. What are your thoughts here? I mean, from a wagering point of view, from the inside, I mean, do we do we flat out try to beat this guy, or, or uh, do we give him respect? Sorry, we're just here with Andy. We're trying to get by. I guess he's uh, listen. Uh, you got Bold Eagle at nine to five here, Mike. I'm taking a shot on Chris Page. Uh, just said it three-two to one. This is a rare occasion where me and Mr. Carter. Agree, because I think he's betting him too, and uh, there's many other options here. I don't think I don't think Bogle needs to win this race necessarily. All right, so uh, Ace Barnsdale, uh, Garnet, uh, believe me, cut in if if uh, or Ace, cut in if you've got the interview. Um, looking at some of the other horses in this race, Atlanta. Obviously, what she has accomplished in her career has just been unbelievable. It's seven of twelve, eight of fourteen. Ableton changed a million dollars earned last year, seven hundred forty-four thousand this year. She is one of the world's greatest trotters. I mean, male or female. So, 
obviously, uh, you know, she's good. Um, you know, I mean, you've got some other great ones in here. We'll think, this is a great race, guys. Guardian Angel Oz is good. Uh, Lindy the Great, obviously very, very good. Uh, Dunbar Hold Six Pack is obviously very good. So this is uh, going to be an interesting race. Marion Marauder, you get uh, number 11 in here as well. So uh, this is uh, just going to be a very, very good race, guys. We're going to take a timeout. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have uh, some winner's circle reaction. Uh, hopefully, Ace will have uh, Tony Camilleri. Plus, we'll talk about the big race coming up with Bold Eagle. Once again, we've got 10 minutes left on live time. Um, if we do cut off, make sure you join us on the archive. It's available pretty much right away at posttimewithmikeandmike.com. And uh, we'll, you know, have the race if, if we miss it because right now there's four minutes away. So I'm going to assume that we're going to miss it. But uh, it will be on the archive available. So uh, make sure if uh, you know if you want to catch the race, you can do so on the archive. Again, most time. Foundation has the power to bring a life-changing experience to any child. We introduce youth to the horses and skills that build confidence, friendships, and a lifelong love of harness racing. The Harness Horse Youth Foundation has been a positive influence in the lives of thousands of young people since 1976. Check out the complete list of Harness Horse Youth Foundation camps and activities at hhyf.org. That's hhyf.org. Hey, racing fans, we all know the ride begins well before the starting gate. Stay warmed up around the clock at PennHorseRacing.com, your home for all things harness and thoroughbred racing. PennHorseRacing.com gives you the inside track on betting, industry events, breeding, news, and more. You know, everything that'll give you an edge come post-time. Visit PennHorseRacing.com today. Brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Racing Association. Gambling problem for one 800 We're back on post-time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America and the USDA. Mike Bozich, along with Garnet Barnsdale, Ashley Maylou, and Ace Barnsdale, live on site at Woodbine Mohawk. Had a fantastic night of racing, and guys, we've seen a lot of different things. The main event is coming up. Once again, we are eight minutes away from uh, getting kind of uh, cut off here live, but uh, nonetheless, um, if we do miss the race live, you can catch us on the archive, and they're all available postdoublemikeandmike.com, so we'll stick with you throughout this race, and we're hoping, hoping that Ace Barnsdale can get to Tommy Candelari, who uh, is the trainer of the, one of the last race, Anson Wu. And uh, here we go, guys. Uh, we're going to do the uh, post parade for this ninth race, Breeders' Crown Final open, $655,000 on the trot. I'll start with the one, uh, of course, the French trotting champion, Bold Eagle. He's made over $5 million. Don't Really know what more to say about him, although Brian Sears will be driving for trainer Sebastian uh, Garado, and uh, he draws the inside right now, 9-5 to five on the board. I mean, not really sure what to expect 
and bold eagle here in this spot, but nonetheless, he is one of the world's best trotters and one of the best trotters of all time. We'll by Mac Nickel, Jeff Gillis, Jeff Trains. Uh, if you want to take a stab on this horse for any reason, the one the one reason might be that he gets picks up Dexter Dunn tonight for the first time. Uh, we'll take charges made over a million dollars. Racing K at years currently. He could be a horse that sits and can get the uh, get the check there. Number four is $50 bill. Uh, four-year-old horse by Swan Fowall, the British Crown champion in his own right. Done by John Bernard, trained by Patricia Adams, Corey Callahan in the bike. Made over a million dollars in his career. Uh, form obviously a little bit of a concern. The second-place finisher in the Dayton Derby, two starts back. Certainly did not bring his A-game back on October 5th in the off-line. She's taking some time since then, and the odds are showing it right now at 63-1. to one. The fire Sweden Rainbow Pet Lorraine losses at a great year. Third start, eight hundred twenty five thousand made had a good qualifier heading into this five to one can Atlanta Crawford Farms Racing, Bradley Grant, Howard Taylor, Tryron Driver, Yannick Ingrat. Mare, she flashed her first third and look at her as one of the past and was trot of the year. Number seven is Lindy the Great, three to one in the book, five to one on the board. He is a five to one by Cranes, done by K.R. Breeding and Bob Rudolph, trained by Domenico Sacheri, Louis Philippe, the uh, driver, and this is a horse that has really put it all together as of late, and then you. Garner have had a chance to see this horse really develop uh, in his five-year-old career. He uh, went on to win the Caesar Striding Classic against Mission Accepted and Guardian Angel Oz. A good second-place finish in the Alarage. He certainly fits in here. He can certainly dance with the big boys. And uh, he is getting some wavering attention right now. Six to one on the board. Three to one morning line off. He's a little low. But uh, six to one on the board. You know, five to one on the board, I think, is a fairly good value option. Yeah, and you know Louis in that one. I believe Dunbar Hollow, local hope by Carl James, uh, driven by Carl James, uh, James, driven by her husband Jody. All the gate issues, but um, he's capable of hitting more. Behaves himself in this rain. Number nine, Southwind Chrome, owned by Polak Racing, Jer- Jeffrey Culliver, trainer of Culliver, and Doug Nair. His first reader crown of tonight, and coming into this race about that race injury, race at the Red Mile, and your park wrapped it up a bit today, though, sitting on the toe of 26. And rounding up, uh, actually, number where are we at? Nine or ten, guys? I'm sorry. Ten. I, I, I'm, ten. Six pack. Or ten, ten. Six pack. Sorry about that, guys. I'm trying to. I'm trying to go back and forth. I'm trying to get my ticket in, by the way, for the. Uh, for the uh, late uh, $50,000 guarantee, big four, actually, to be quite honest with you. 10 six-pack uh, 
is a 49 and 2 win. Obviously, this is a horse that is capable at any time, guys. Four year old horse by Muscle Mass. Omayoka Swanstead Incorporated. Uh, some trotting Little Elite LC, Stole Carmar, uh, Lawrence Berg, Oka Swanstead Trains and Drives. Um, this is a horse that is capable of just winning at every time. I mean, he is just that kind of horse. You never know when he's going to click or connect. He gets close 10 here today. He's 5 to 1. Uh, you know, you got a trailer. He goes all the outside. I mean, obviously, that plays against him. But uh, nonetheless, always capable. Very scared, guys, to leave him off any kind of thing. The 11 is the 2016 Trotting Triple Crown winner, Marion Marauder, owned by Marion Jean Wellwood. Devin Kling trained by Mike Keeling, driven by Scott Zero. And he's starting to come into his own. I'm gonna I'm betting another super today with a few bombs for fourth, and he's one one something for fourth. All right, so that's a look at the eleven of them Breeders Crown final. It's the open trot. One of the fun events here, and you've got a, a field of eleven to do battle, and obviously all the attention is on Bold Eagle, eight to five. And okay, so we have to I think guys Take this from two different approaches. From a fan point of view, yes, it's great to see one of the best trotters ever in the world here at the Breeders' Crown making his North American debut. But from a wagering point of view, Garnet, from a wagering point of view, I think he is taking a lot of attention off courses that would otherwise have more wagering attention. And you know what? In that case, we kind of salivate for value, don't we? No, not only that, you're looking at him at the track right now. He's going wacko on the track. He's got the elevator beside him. He's kind of just jumping up in the air, up and down, up and down, up and down. I, man, I don't know. I don't know if you could bet a horse that's behaving like that. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's creating a lot of value for sure. And he doesn't look very good on the track right now. He looks ex- excitable. Yeah, and he is jumping around like crazy on the racetrack. Once again, guys, we've got about a minute 25 left on the live, so uh, you're going to get cut off live. If you're listening to us live, you're on post com. But uh, once again, we're going to stay with you because the archive does continue, and we obviously want to carry this race because it has uh, high implications. Bold Eagle right now, 9-5, to five, guys, 7-2 to two on number 6, Atlanta. Here's a horse that we haven't talked about, Ashley, Atlanta. We talked about her in the post parade, but we haven't really talked about her, um, you know, in general. Her race at Yonkers in the international trot. I mean, I'm not sure whether we can straight up discount that when we're trying to judge her form. Can we? I don't. I don't think you can. I personally, I like to do this a lot in thoroughbreds. I would not look at, I mean, the distance, right? It's not today's distance. It's going longer, and she she folded. You know, they gave her a shot at it, and the purse was obviously probably a big driver of that. When you look at her race here in the Maple Leaf Trot, she's very impressive and was second to Guardian Angel as. I like her. I, you know, she showed that she should be against the boys, and they're going to give her another shot at it, and she's beaten the boys before. So that's the way she's sitting on the board at 7-2. to The betting book likes her a little bit more value than the horse that drew the inside. Let's take a look at some of the other horses. Go five to ones right now. Five, Guardian Angel on seven, Lindy the Great. I thought Lindy the Great, Garnet, was a little, I don't know, underestimated in the morning line. I don't really think that he should have been three to one in the morning line. I mean, I don't know. I think I still think that he's got a lot to prove. Yeah, they're going to start up here, Mike. So they're going to start off pretty quickly. So let's mute you guys. And it is the Breeders' Ground Final. 
Open trot going for a purse of $655,000. This is big stuff. Field of 11, and they are off and trotting. And Bold Eagle got off to a pretty good beginning, but here comes the outside levers. Atlanta and Guardian Angel Oz. And up on the outside, Lady Great is put into play early on. So Bold Eagle will settle into fourth as they splash towards that first turn and on top and with the lead. By a length, it is Atlanta, but up on the outside, brushing on past, here comes Lindy the Great, and Lindy the Great shows the best early speed. Thanks over now from Atlanta. Back to 30s, Guardian Angel Osbold Eagle is brushing into play by Brian Sears. Driving up on the outside, fourth, Sigmax has been parked at this point. They get past the 26 and 2 opening quarter. Will take charge is pinned to the inside, sixth. Outside, $50 bill moves up, seventh. Right behind that one is Southwind Chrome and a crowded flow. Mission accepted is pinned to the inside, and Marion Marauder is the trailer. As they continue to progress up the back stretch, Bold Eagle will complete the brush. Lenny the Great is back to second. Six-pack lost cover, but continues to progress. 55-2 and two as they round the turn. Inside Atlanta is pinned to the inside fourth. $50 bill has cover fifth, and it's three and a half off the lead, but is hard-pressed to stay with cover. Outside will take charges third up. Inside Guardian Angel Oz is no place to go. They come to the top of the stretch. It's Bold Eagle on the inside. Six-pack continues to attack as being driven now by Swanson. Straighten away. 124 for three quarters. Bold Eagle on the inside. Six-pack has gone a gigantic mile. Inside the greatest third. Bend into the outside. Here comes Atlanta fourth. Mid-stretch Bold Eagle. He's living up to the hype. He's up by two. Six-pack is second. Outside Atlanta's gaining ground, but the clock is running out. Bold Eagle, is he the best in the world? He may be Bold Eagle wins. Bold Eagle tight for a second between six-pack and Atlanta. Bold Eagle stops the clock in the slop in 152. And guys, oh my goodness. Bold Eagle brought it. He brought it today. He brought it, and uh, I'm just amazed at how the horse could be misbehaving so badly before the start, and then as soon as he gets behind the gate, he's just all busy, like a complete pro. And, uh, yeah, he's definitely – well, how about six-pack mile? He, he was huge racing on them. Aki, uh, you know, I'm not so sure Aki had the right strategy there, um, or Oki, or whatever you want to call him. He had a chance to maybe pin Bold Eagle in, or, or you know, uh, he just decided to sit out there and wait for his cover. I mean, you know, he got ended up getting second, but I think he got left hung out too long as a result, and uh, maybe he could have made a slingshot move to the front at that point and left him behind. I don't know. Well, guys, this was an interesting race. I mean, I, I have to be honest with you. You talk about the ship and Ashley. I talked about the ship and think a lot of gamblers actually kind of put credence into that because that's that's a tough thing to uh, to ask a horse to do. And uh, Bold Eagle coming here making his North American debut, going through all that he went through, and then had to endure these conditions. I mean, this solidified him as one of the best trotters in the world and honestly of all time. Most definitely. I mean, you see a lot of horses come from Sweden, New Zealand, places like that, and whenever they do it and they're 
career and decide to make the transition and come to North America, it, it's tough on them. I look at so many horses that took them a couple races to fill in and just get kind of used to the surroundings and recover from jet lag. I mean, it's no different than a human, right? You go travel halfway around the world and you're going to be tired for a bit. And these animals, I mean, they're huge animals, a lot of stress for them. And to see how he handled it, I mean, we heard all week he had been training well here. And then as Garnet said, he was kind of misbehaving all throughout the post parade. And maybe that's just how he is. And we don't we don't know him well enough to, to make that conclusion. But as soon as he got behind the gate, he, he's a professional. He turned it on like that. And uh, it's probably one of the best races I've seen from a horse like this. And Garnet, if you at Bald Eagle in the winner's circle right now. I'm not really sure if you guys are watching the television monitor, but if you look at him in the winner's circle right now, he got to it fairly quickly, and I'm going to tell you what, he's not enjoying his He's not enjoying it right now. I mean, he's not enjoying the conditions. He's not enjoying all the people. He is, he's, Garnet, he's not having a good time right now. I don't think so. I don't think uh, he wasn't having a good time before the race either. That's why I was going to – I actually punched Superfected that had him completely off the ticket. Just because he was, I mean, he was lunging up and down in the air and coming down. And I thought, you know what, maybe this horse is, just isn't going to behave tonight. And uh, I couldn't have been more wrong. I, I don't regret making the bet. I'm just, uh, I'm happy that he, he got back to it and uh, he was a, a real pro. And we got to see what this horse could do because it was something. Yeah, and and if you watch the winner's circle, right, he is just, he's not happy. I mean, there's, there's no two ways around it. Bald Eagle, <laughs> Bald Eagle wants to get the heck out of here, guys. I mean, there's no question about it. But nonetheless, he takes care of business. I mean, he just, you know, he brushed to the top. Ryan Sears drove him like he was the best, and uh, he was the best. I mean, holy moly, he definitely was the best here tonight. And uh, number 10, six-pack, uh, raced huge. I mean, raced out of his shoes. You know, I mean, even, you wonder with a better trip if it would have been closer for him, Ashley. Yeah, yeah, and even looking at Atlanta, I mean, she put on a great performance considering the trip she got. I didn't think the trip was necessarily bad. It wasn't maybe ideal, but on paper, these were probably the three horses. I know Garnet and I, we liked these three in some sort of sense. Even, you know, six-pack thing there was the post, but he overcame it. So um, it was a great race. You know, Bold Eagle, though, took command early and said goodbye. Hey Mike, All right. One, I ten, think uh, seven in race number nine. Garnet, you have anything to add? Yeah, I think I, I think uh, Sonstadt's uh, strategy might have backfired there. I think he tried to fish Bold Eagle out and was hoping to follow him on cover, but he lost the cover quickly, um, and that was kind of the difference in the race. Once Bold Eagle made the front, it was uh, it was pretty hard, I guess, to track him down. But uh, you know, Six Pack was was huge. He's he is a he's the real deal as well. That was a tremendous mile from the 10 hole in a race like this. I'm going to ask you this one question, Garnet, and then we're going to end this broadcast. But uh, if you watch overseas racing, and I know, I know you have overseas harness racing a time or two, it seems like that these guys aren't afraid to go wide. And they're not afraid to be wide the mile, as they're they not, are here. They're and, I mean, I guess the, the, the reason for that is because of the speed here. I mean, obviously, in North America, it's a speed game. You know, Yannick Singroff said this on the show a couple of weeks ago that obviously, like, a horse could pretty much go full speed the full mile. But there, it seems like horses can take air. And it seems like drivers aren't afraid to take air, and drivers aren't afraid to be wide the mile. So I guess my question is, is that, you know, we talk about Bold Eagle being the complete horse. You know, Bold Eagle showed some darn speed here today. 
That's right, and I guess the I guess the fear would be that he's used to longer distance uh, races. Kind of the kind of part of the trouble that may have plagued Lazarus when he came here was just the the sheer speed of it because he would seem to be getting in gear and the race is over. And yeah, the the reason Mike why they take so much air and why they race wide obviously is because the pace is much slower, the distances are longer, and they kind of sprint home. But here, you know, we see that there's not too many horses that can take air for very long, especially uncovered at the speeds they race at. You pay the price pretty quick, so it's it's a different game altogether. But yeah, the most impressive thing is Bold Eagle showed a, a, a very a tremendous burst of speed when he needed it, and that was the difference in the race. All right, guys. Well, listen, we got to uh, get out of here. Is is uh, I, I have to ask you, Garnet? Is is uh, is the boy wonder anywhere in the picture? Is he around? Ace, uh, he's not here, but. You might want to wait a couple of minutes because he might be trying to grab somebody for an interview. Last last night he had Jingra like two seconds after we said goodnight. He had Jingra standing there. I'm right. not even making that up. So, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, I know no, it's archived, he, no, but... he let us know about it. He let us know about it in our thread that we have. So we'll, we'll, give, uh, we'll give him a few minutes. Well, okay, this is a perfect time then to kind of throw it around the horn and uh, talk about who was the most impressive uh, Breeders' Crowns, and maybe the, the the final thoughts on Breeders' Crown uh, night. Now, I'm going to throw it to you, Ashley, first. You did not have a chance to see last night, but you did have a chance to see tonight. Uh, what are some of the performances, Ashley, that maybe stood out to you here tonight um, on this uh, second night of the Breeders' Crown? I mean, it's going to sound cliche, right? But Bold Eagle for me, because I had melts with him coming here and having to travel first time out of Europe, wasn't sure if he'd show up, um, just because of my experience, what I've seen with Thoroughbred. So, Probably, you know, that one sticks out for me. I thought Jim Panzee put on a great race. It definitely helps out. The green shoe didn't get the perfect trip. But th- those are the two for me. Garnet? I'm going to go off the board to two different races. Uh, Caviar Ally uh, went first up, wearing down Sharton, her arch rival, getting the number on her. And Wind V, uh, a wise guy horse, uh, another one that was first up for a long way. Looked like he was, she was kind of treading water halfway down the lane and then really kicked in with a big kick. But, I mean, you, there's so many. I mean, where you beat was obviously impressive. Manchego, uh, you know, pretty much every horse in the race. There goes Sears with a scarf. What do you go, Brian? And that's pretty much it for me. I don't see the ace man coming yet. We could uh, – I, I, I doubt he's going to get a uh, – I doubt he's going get, to get a trainer that doesn't speak English. I saw Sears already go by and no ace, so – He's probably done. Oh, here he comes. Here he comes. Is Brian. Okay. All right. We'll wait on Ace. Uh, real quick. It's uh, my, Nobody? I agree with you. Going, huh? I win to be. Someone I mean, is? That was a confident draw by Brian Sears. Really? And I think, in my opinion, that she was kind of the MVP of the previous crown, in my opinion. So, anyway. Okay. This, uh, what do we got from Ace? Uh, Ace says somebody's coming that speaks English, that uh, the owner's going to send somebody over. I don't know if we want to wait a couple of minutes. What do you think? Well, we, well, absolutely, we can wait. Okay. Absolutely, we can wait. We've got the uh, how many more races do we have? But uh, we got we still got three races to go here. There's, there's plenty of degeneracy left. I mean, uh, plenty of races left to play. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. There's a horse coming up in this race here. That's a, a one a heck of a nice price that I kind of like. Uh, the eight can't beat that coming up. She only missed the. Uh, I guess he missed the Breeders' Crown final by finishing sixth, where he needed to finish fifth, and he was on the lead against Better's Wish, Southwind Ozzy. Um, the race before that, fourth beating the length of the, in the Tattersalls, third in the Bluegrass. 
Um, this horse stacks up pretty well here, Mike. I might take a stab on him if he stays somewhere around nine. Currently nine to one. I think I'd only need about five or six to one to play him. You know, what always reminds me of the last couple races of a big card like this, the Breeders' Crown or whatever, when they card overnight races after this, in college football, it reminds me of the Pac-10. In what regard? In what, in the sense that, like, the Pac-10 is like, after all of the, the top 20 and the top 25 duke it yeah, out, right, like right. the Pac-10 is the last stand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fourth and I get it now. I get it now, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. You see the, you see the, you know, you see Oregon State against, um, I, I don't know, uh, what, Boise State or something like that. I mean, just, you know, yeah, yeah. The, the late night group. <laughs> anyway. All right. So uh, I'm sure you'll tell me when, when Ace is ready. But I uh, can't beat that. Obviously, it's hard to use last time, right? Uh, yeah, hard to use. It's only beaten four lengths. So that party here at 8 to 5 hasn't won a race this year. He's been racing okay, but, uh, you know, he finished seventh in, in 51 in his uh, elimination. Can't beat that with sixth and 51 and one, it looks like. So, I don't know. You're going to take eight to five or nine to one? I'm, I'm, taking, I'm probably going to take the nine to one. Well, and I mean, raced up close to Vance and Lou. A couple of starts, you know, just want to breed his crown. So. That's what I'm saying. And it's uh, uh, Monique Vives' uh, top pick, one of the Woodbine handicappers. Woodbine Mohawk. Now, for all those Garner, for all those newcomers that are listening to the broadcast right now, they're listening and hear like two minutes, one minute in your background. Okay, I just want to make it clear to the newcomers that that's not two minutes or one minute to the race. They're no. in the paddock. They're in the. That's where they're broadcasting from. That's actually the time until they come out onto the racetrack, right? Correct. Correct. And there's no drag with that when they say. Two minutes. They're going by. They're going out in two minutes. Which uh, it's good that they announced that too, because if you're walking. A lot of times you're walking around here. You're kind of walking in front of those doors where the horses come out, and you wouldn't see that going come out. Sometimes you're not paying attention. Oh, we should. But when, when I hear that, I'm like, oh boy. So back it in. Doesn't look like anybody's coming for the ace man. So uh, yeah, well, it was a good run, ace. But uh, you're fired. Well, let's bring the ace man in for his thoughts. Let's give him. Uh... Let's give let's give Ace a vote for the MVP of the Breeders' Round of 2019. Mike's asking for a vote for the MVP of the Breeders' Round. Vote for the MVP. I got to go with Anson Lou because of the excitement he instilled in Tony Camilleri. That, that's what we're racing. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ace Barnes. <laughs> you cut that off, but he gave it to Dance and Louie. Did not give it to Mike Bozich. I thought he was going to get the MVP to Mike Bozich, but I guess not. So, uh, heck with you, Ace. All right, listen, we certainly appreciate everybody joining us on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. We appreciate all of you listeners and certainly all the sponsors that uh, make this possible. And we will see you next Thursday, 1030 a.m., sure we're going to have a star-studded cast. I can guarantee you we're going to try to get Tony Camilleri on the program next week on this program, so uh, hopefully we can. On behalf of everybody here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, we certainly appreciate the listeners, and we will see you next Thursday with the first post of 10.
8.30 a.m. Eastern. Good night, everybody.